The following is a presentation of the Belly Up Sports Media Network. This is the main event. This is the main event. Mark's podcast. I'm your first host, lifelong wrestling fan, former radio guy, cat dad, and the one man who wasn't ever in charge of WCW. I'm Troy. And with me, as always, is the main event collector and figure hunting warrior. He is the WCW watcher of classic wrestling and the hammer to my tailor made man. It's Greg. What's up, Greg? I didn't see that one coming. Hey, I see. <laughs> I was like, which one haven't I done before? Because I've done the Steiners, I don't know how many times, the Freebirds. Oh, I'm like, uh, screw that right off the bat. I think I've, oh, I even did uh, Brian Pillman and uh, Z-Man in a in a episode before, at least one episode before. Like, and Z-Man. Oh, yeah, man. He was the one I was like, I can't wait till we get to the Z-Man match, man. That's that's the one I'm looking forward to. Uh, I think you're joking, but you should not be. But Oh, yeah, this, this one was something, man. Um, this whole show was something. But we were talking off air that I just kind of... Is it too like, early to throw you under the bus? This one, I will say, I think the last two matches were really good. Before that, it was like... <sighs> okay, now I didn't do the research on this. Who Who is the show? Is this Jim Hurd? Uh, well, that's actually our, uh, our top story is uh, kind of a switch in leadership going on. So it was... I mean, Hurd might have like helped set it up. I, I can't not throw him under the bus here with that one. But man, it was like the booking committee were people that you would think would know a thing or two, or at least a few of them were. Don't don't just be assuming stuff. Yeah, right. It's like, uh, look, you've shown in the past that you have brains, but it doesn't mean you always have brains, I guess. I don't know. And I'll say this. There was a there was quite a bit of talent on the show. They didn't show a damn thing, but there was talent on the show. I don't know how it was this boring. I, I don't know, but there there was some stuff to talk about. You and I can uh, dissect it all and uh, deliver the autopsy on this thing. And there's quite a bit of news and notes to get into. I figure we'll dive into that. Some of these stories are ones that uh, head first. <laughs> some of these are stories that's like, oh, my God, like uh, I didn't know about or at least I didn't know about that they were around this time. Some of them are kind of involved. And there's some legal stuff going on because you can't have wrestling without lawyers no life or death uh there was no death there was some maiming we'll talk about some of that but uh no i don't think there were any there was any death this week but uh, unless you count wcw as that that death because they're they're dying only to be honestly revived they're still nine years away from dying (laughs) yeah right and the weird thing about it is uh like they would be brought back to life like Frankenstein, stronger than before, and kicking an ass, only to die a miserable death. Taking names and taking an ass. Exactly. And also, like Frankenstein, went out in a blaze of glory, just, uh, just, just literally burned ash, because that company was, it was ass in the, in the later times. But either way, we're not talking about the good times today. We're talking about uh, a, a pretty meh time. There were some good shows in 1992. This was not one of them. But we'll, we'll get into all that. First, I want to tell everybody about the sponsor of the podcast. Today's episode is sponsored by Mahler Bros Golf. 
We all want to look good on the golf course, but it often comes at the expense of feeling good. Mahler Bros Golf has polos that look good and feel good. With their lightweight and stretchy materials that hugs your body, you will feel cool while looking just as cool. Their polos are guaranteed to make you look better, but it's up to you to golf better. On a hot summer day on the golf course, there's no polo that you would rather wear than Muller Bros Golf Signature Polos. Muller Bros Golf has a large catalog of polos with designs for those who want a loud design and others for those that want a subtle and sleek-looking design. They also have fun t-shirts, hats, tumblers, and so much more to make your golfing experience better. Use code BELLYUP at MahlerBros.com for 15% off. Listen to me. Listen, as a guy who has worn a lot of polos throughout his life, you need Muller Bros Golf Signature Polos. Their polos are a comfortable, slim fit that will make you look and feel good when you're golfing with the guys. There have been way too many times I wore some generic polo shirt out on the golf course and I just, I felt crappy the whole day. My game was off. I just was self-conscious. Not with Mahler Bros. Don't wait to try out your new favorite golf apparel. Upgrade your golf attire with Mahler Bros. Get 15% off at MahlerBros.com with code BELLYUP. That's 15% off at M-A-H-L-E-R Bros.com with code BELLYUP. Turn heads on the golf course or wherever you wear Mahler Bros polos. Mahler Bros Golf. Look good. Feel good. Feel good. Play good. And now we're going to get into our first break. We're going to tell you about uh, how you can pick up some great podcast merchandise and where to listen to some of our friends of the show with their own podcasts that uh, do pretty well for themselves. And definitely go subscribe to our YouTube channel where you can go hear. down to go down to Puckberg and jerk the curtain, take the apron bump. Got them all and, in. And uh, well, if you go to our YouTube channel, you can listen to Curtain Jerk and it's all current. And also check out wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Where if you're listening. Though, or whatever, I, like whatever to think your, I like to think they're currently listening to their favorite podcast, but that's just me. <laughs> yeah, well, exactly. Wherever you get your favorite podcast, like this one here, uh, you can also do a search for Rasslin Addicts, R-A-S-S-L-I-N Addicts, and O-W. they cover, and they cover uh, new stuff just like uh, Curtain Jerkin does, and they, they'll have different takes on it. Jacob Grandi with Curtain Jerkin goes all around the world. Rasslin Addicts, I believe, sticks to the big ones here in America. Giggity. And uh, it's, it's good. It's good fun. Good stuff. If you want to hear some uh, some takes by wow. fans, like if you want to hear some good takes from fans like you, uh, you'll go check it out and uh, they'll keep you entertained. But either way, let's get into our first break here on the other end of this. Plenty of news and notes to dive into and uh, a leadership change in WCW. Follow the main event marks at facebook.com forward slash main event marks pod on Twitter at main event underscore marks and on Instagram at main event underscore marks and at main event collector. Get ready to rumble in your new main event marks merchandise. We've got t-shirts, hoodies, masks, hats, stickers, pins, and much more on our Redbubble store. That's maineventmarks.redbubble.com. You can also pick up some awesome clothing items with the latest updated show graphics on our Bonfire store. That's bonfire.com slash store slash main event marks. Support your favorite retro wrestling podcast and pick up some cool swag on our Bonfire and Redbubble stores. That's maineventmarks.com 
podcast.redbubble.com and bonfire.com slash store slash main event marks. By God, somebody's interrupting the main event marks. Sit down, JR. It's just me, Kyle Sullivan, a.k.a. Shaggy Von Doom, your host of Here in Puckburg on the Hockey Podcast Network. I know, a hockey show on the main event marks. Who would have thought? This is an invasion angle. Somewhere between the Nexus and when WCW tried to invade WWE, you know, somewhere in there. But I'm over here just telling you that one half of your tag team champions over here, Greg... He told his story of his love for the game of hockey over on my show. And if you'd like to hear that story, all you have to do is search here in Puckburg, wherever you get your podcast, or on YouTube. In the meantime, Shagamania's got to go run wild on some other hockey show. So, just remember, quote the Raven, nevermore. Take your vitamins, say your prayers, and oh yeah! event marks are available wherever you get podcasts and on youtube find all of our links on our link tree at linktr.ee forward slash main event marks and we're back we're back do you like your coffee like you like your podcasts gimmick and politics free well so do we here at the main event marks and so do the guys and gals at coffee brand coffee where they ditch the gimmicks You see, when you buy your coffee from other roasters, chances are that they've been sitting on the shelf for heaven knows how long. Don't rob yourself of freshness. At Coffee Brand Coffee, they roast to order, ensuring that you get the freshest coffee possible. And as Greg will tell you, that's what counts. Coffee Brand Coffee offers bagged coffee as well as K-cups. And for the non-coffee people, they offer a variety of teas and cocos. Just click on the link down in the podcast description or go to coffeebrandcoffee.com and use our promo code MAINEVENT, all one word, at checkout to get 5% off your order. That's coffeebrandcoffee.com and use the promo code MAINEVENT to save 5% at checkout. Cracking anything open today? Oh, there you go. It's four o'clock somewhere, right? (laughs) Exactly. I already cracked something open uh, earlier, so... Uh, I've got, I've got my red thunder. Which is an, I feel like you're setting me up there. I'm not even going to touch that joke. Okay. Good Lord. Uh, I, I'm drinking a red thunder, which is the knockoff of red bull from, uh, from Aldi. So it's, it's not bad actually. So let's, uh, let's hit that there sounder. That is correct. <laughs> Shut the fuck up, Dave. Everything that guy just says bullshit. News and notes time. You know what time it is. Yeah, we have the, a returning segment. It's clobber time. Yeah. Uh, oh, speaking of, before we officially dive in here, so, I mean, this is news and notes, but it's current stuff. Uh, you hear supposedly uh, Warner Brothers is saying that they have heard CM Punk is on his way back to AEW. That might be old news by the I time this airs. But. Did not. But I don't yeah. read the news really anymore because I find it all the what Joe Pesci just said it was. Yeah, right. Well, and then uh, I had told you about they made some announcement of they're coming out with like another show, but I guess this one is actually. Yeah, I heard on. something about that might be their attempt at a brand split. So, right, and supposedly uh, that's going to be their way around like getting Punk back. Is he will be on one show and the Elite will be on another show. That's I don't know what that pathetic. really accomplishes. Uh, it accomplishes the fact that Tony Khan 
has no spine. The man possesses no junk. And he can't. It's like it's like every 90s sitcom where the dad's in charge and instead of taking care of the kids problems. He puts them in separate rooms forever. <laughs> yeah, right. Like, dude, just like Vince McMahon would never allow something like that. Like there were always feuds going on in, in the WWF, but he like Vince McMahon for for all the crap people talk about him would never have allowed egos to get so big where it's like they can they can't even be on the same show with one another. You have to segregate your roster. Like, obviously, WWE has segregated their roster. That's what happens when you're professional. Right. Like, dude, this is a business, man. I realize that it's wrestling and it's a little different, but at the end of the day, it's still a business. I I, I don't know. Like, I've worked with people that, you know, didn't get along, whatever, but you know what? They sucked it up because you're at work. Put it aside, man. Like, I, I don't know. Especially with you, you want to tell me that they can't make any money off of Punk versus any member of the elite? Like, come on. Well, him and Omega has to be the main event for Wembley, of course. Not going to do well. You would think, but if they're that damn immature where they just can't, you know, suck it up and shake hands, say you're sorry, get the F over it. Like, it, like there's money to be made. Like, that's the entire point of this. You're not doing it for kicks and giggles, man. You know, everybody keeps talking about, uh, oh, you know, what if it's successful? I don't measure success right off the bat in pro wrestling. You know, whether they're successful and they try again and it fails. Then was that first one really successful? Yeah, right. Hey, WCW uh, was... Sustainability. Well, we talked about WCW was successful for, what, three years, I'd say? Well, I... I, Yeah, not not worthy. I mean, they were successful for 95, 96, 97, and 98. So, I mean, four years. Uh... They weren't beating the WWF. I was just saying, like, financially, they were successful. Uh, by 99, I think, is when they were really losing a crap ton of money. But, uh, yeah, like you Whoa. said, sustainability. who has <laughs> got money, bro. Right. Uh, but, yeah, it's, it's, it's staying power. Like, Roman Reigns, Hulk Hogan, they had staying power. Like them or not. Like, they, they clearly make money because Roman is – everybody's like – I like I like the talk online of well, isn't the the Roman Reigns bloodline stuff getting boring now? By the way, we're gonna sell out every show. <laughs> like, yeah, and you can also make the argument that it's not one hundred percent Roman drawing the house, but he is tell you, the guy. I'll tell you exactly what I tell our buddy over at Apron Pump. You can't be using logic on the internet, dude. Mm-hmm. Never does you well. Don't nope. be using logic. What well, what show was it you said that just uh? Sold like a ridiculous amount of tickets. SummerSlam. Yeah. So, uh, which I I'm gonna probably be safe in assuming that Roman Reigns will be headlining. But you know, I'm sure everybody else thinks that too. But no, uh, no, he he's boring now. Let's move on from the guy that's been making us tons of money for the past. This is the exact years. same argument I had with those idiots to say they need to stop making those Fast and Furious movies. But yeah, every one of them grows a billion dollars. But yes, please stop making them. We don't need all that money anymore. Stupid and. And I don't personally it, like them, but that's a. Well, I don't personally like them, but that's. Well, that, they need well, yeah, to stop making them because, you know, even though they're all successful making a billion dollars a piece, that means they need to stop making them because well, you don't want to see the commercials. Maybe you watch too much TV or something. I don't know. Well, that's, uh, that's what I was going to say. Like, I don't. I personally don't like those movies, but there are a lot of movies that I don't like that make quite a bit of money. So if you're making a lot of money at it and you're not like, uh, like low budget crappy movies that end up making a profit. They make that money because they didn't spend a lot, and they made a lot. Or even if they did spend a lot, they made even more. So 
uh, you know, whatever. You can whine and cry and whatever all you want about it, but it's like I can just not watch them. Like that's a pretty simple solution for me. <laughs> I had the same thing with the Harry Potter movies. I never watched them. I didn't give a damn. They kept making them. Yep. Have, and and they're I mean, so damn if, successful. They're going to remake them into a into a series because soon to be Max, and which I think is a dumbass name, but they need money. I was like so, your six year old kid who plays uh, football. Yeah, come on, Max. <laughs> yeah, we're no longer HBO Max. We're just Max. Like, wait, what? You mean to tell me you've been like think tanking this stuff for a while, and the best you can come up with is <laughs> let's drop the HBO. It's just Max. <laughs> I said the same thing about. Uh, Renee Young's podcast. Did you see she changed the name of it? No. It was you know it was called Oral Sessions, right? Oh God. <laughs> yeah. And Max Caster had a lot of fun with that and rap, by the way. Um, I'm sure he did. And she changed just the sessions. I'm like wow. Ooh. So you yeah took one name off and put an S on or no didn't even put an S it was yeah she so just took one name off. Good God. It's like uh, when Chelsea Green was talking about she wanted to make a podcast or something, and she's like, oh, I'm looking for names. Nothing with the word green in it. I was like, oh, God. And then she calls it green with envy. <laughs> <sighs> yeah. It's like, I thought the green room was, like, obvious. I don't know if it's still going. I think it might have already tapped out. I don't know. Well, yeah, you know why, Greg? Because nobody wants to hear Chelsea Green talk for, like, an hour plus per episode. Like, People apparently find her entertaining, and she's obviously good to look at, but I don't think it's like... say she doesn't do video, so there's that. Yeah, right. So it's like, who's like seeking out? It's like, man, you know whose opinion we really need right now? It's Chelsea Green. I need to know what she thinks about current events. <laughs> I mean, there might be people, but it's one of them where it's like, why? Like, I've, I've heard this before, and I'm sticking to it, and I say this, obviously, as a guy who's been doing a... a no name podcast for three years now, but it's like we need to put an end to all new podcasts till we figure out what the hell is going on. Okay, like not everybody gets one. Hell, they don't. Yeah, oh, I know. Anyway, getting into the news notes. Finally, yeah, you saying you saying we have this one kind of craps on your theory, doesn't it? <laughs> everybody, yeah, gets I, <laughs> literally everyone. Well, some some people get three or four. So, looks bro. Way. But getting into the news and notes here, WCW. Hold on, unexpl- quick. Going back to that topic. Did you hear Conrad's next podcast guy is going to be? He's coming out with another one? Yep. Good God. Who now? Who's left? I think it's Ted DiBiase, if I remember correctly. Oh, okay. Well, that's not bad. I was thinking it was going to be somebody obscure. Like Also, I think damn. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say I'm pretty sure he, there's no more William Regal, right? So. Right. Did he have a show with Regal? Yeah, it was called uh, Something Gentleman. Oh, <laughs> you go uh, figure, well, I mean, right? He, yeah, right. <laughs> I mean, he might. I mean, if he because that was how he got around it with uh, Bruce Pritchard was like, uh, well, we have a contract. And if WWE wants you that bad, like, you know, you have to work around it. Uh, obviously, Bruce has put WWE first, which I mean, go figure. <laughs> but he still has the podcast going and everything. But I don't know. Uh, DiBiase could be good. Then again, I mean, I look at my perspective. I'm like, you look at like you can cover like uh, 80s and stuff. And right. to my knowledge, WWE 80s is kind of left out as far as a first person perspective goes. He was a bright-eyed, bushy-tailed rookie in like the early 80s, but like back in like mid South and stuff. So I mean, he can talk about that. He can talk about his dad. Obviously, the WWF days. You know, just Virgil. You know, squeeze some more money out of Virgil like everyone does. Oh hell yeah, man! <laughs> Have him as a guest on this show. That'll draw in the. Tens. 
<laughs> but but anyway, uh, getting into the news and notes here. Top story: WCW unexpectedly unexpectedly I can't talk today hired Cowboy Bill Watts out of nowhere to be the new oh, vice president of, of wrestling operations. Speaking, oh, of boom, speaking of Boomer Sooner, <laughs> Bill will Bill will report directly to Bill Do with the booking committee: Dusty Rhodes, Tony Schiavone, Jim Ross, and Jim Barnett. Reporting to Watts and Kip Fry will be shuffled out o- over to the marketing side of the promotion, which I want to pause right there. Kip Fry took over when they crap canned uh, Jim Hurd, and he was in control for like less than a year, I want to say. Uh, and he wasn't like a wrestling guy. He basically delegated all of his duties because he was like, they looked around. They were like, well, we don't want Hurd. Who do we who do we have left? Uh, Kip Fry, you're in the room. Take over. And I think he himself admitted, he's like, I don't know anything about this. So he delegated most of his duties and uh, he was more than happy to go back to marketing. Supposedly he was good at that kind of stuff, but. Have you ever seen Moneyball? Yeah. You remember that scene when Billy Bean goes in there and he has the argument with the head scout because he wants a new contract. He says, you're fired. He walks in and finds some kid. He goes, what's your title here? He said, uh, I, I forget what he said. He said something like Bat Boy or something. He goes, congratulations, you're promoted. You're the new uh, lead talent scout. <laughs> wow. <laughs> like, I, I imagine that's how it went with him. But anyway, uh, it should be noted that during the reign of Jim Hurd, Bill Watts openly stated yeah. that, the only, that the only way he would work for WCW was if he got Hurd's job and reported directly to the president of WCW. Bill's main mandate is to turn the god-awful house show business around. <laughs> Yeah, that house show business would never turn around. House shows, they were not fully aware at this point. But house shows were dying. A miserable death. Not necessary. Yeah. Well, back in the, like, back during this time, like, they didn't get it yet. And they didn't have, like, big stars. And it wasn't a big boom. Like, in the in the late 90s when, like, WWF was going gangbusters in the Attitude Era, WCW was doing the, the stuff with NWO. They drew some pretty big numbers to house shows because they had stars on these shows. So you would get an Austin and a Rock on a house show. You would get a Hogan sometimes in a you know once in a blue moon, or at least other members of the NWO. So they would draw money, and like some people were actually like, "Oh, uh, WCW or WWF's coming to town. I don't care if it's not televised. I you know I still want to get tickets." Nowadays, it's like. Huh? Oh, it's a house show. Eh, I'm good. I don't think I've ever been to a house show in my life. I have one time, and it was because it was uh, Starcade when they had it in Cincinnati. Uh, that that was fun. And Bray Wyatt made a, re- a surprise return when he had taken one of his like uh, year sabbaticals to do whatever it's the cur- f. He's currently does. on one now. Yeah, right, bro. He went home to cry, bro. But I I don't really I don't want to disparage. I I don't freaking know. I just know, like, dude, when you take that much damn time off every so often, it's like there's something going on, man. Like, I don't know if it's him or whatever, but it's like you can't get anything going like that, man. Like, whatever. Either way, the latest Omni show drew a paltry 1,100 people, which was one of the smallest wrestling crowds (laughs) ever there. However, uh, and that's a hotbed, by the way. That's like Madison Square Garden in the Cow Palace. Usually yeah, an automatic sellout. Right, yeah. Uh, yeah, the Omni at that time was their MSG. 
and they uh yeah it didn't go well but uh, since bob do uh runs that arena and has a personal stake <laughs> and has a personal stake in improving attendance uh that likely explains how bill watts was miraculously hired and then given the house show improvement mandate so strongly yeah well that uh again it didn't turn around and i like how his form. idea was we got to fix the house show thing and bischoff came in oh we're getting rid of him period yeah right he did he did the opposite it's like hey we're owned by a television company maybe we should i don't know produce good tv <laughs> bill watts is like no we gotta make him uh pay to come to the arena and see things that aren't televised lose money yeah like in theory i guess i understand it's like okay you want to it's like well the cool stuff happens you know not on tv so you have to pay to come see it but if nobody's watching your tv who gives a crap if they can see something that they're already not watching just doesn't make sense uh, this one I did not know was a thing, but the Lightning Kid had his tryout for WCW at center stage and looked tremendous. Yeah, um, that's not going to work out in uh, WCW. For those that don't know, the Lightning Kid was Sean Waltman, 123 Kid, whatever the hell you want to call him. But wasn't he just, when he came into WWE, wasn't he just the kid at first? Yes, but he definitely had the Lightning Kid attire on. <laughs> right, yeah. And then they were like, uh, quick, let, let's just slap a one, two, three over it, damn it. Damn it, pal, what you gotta do to win a match is count one, two, three. Yeah, it makes sense, damn it. The, the, it, the name is logical. They'll love it. Him and that damn mullet, man, it was epic. You know what, though? It, he, I don't know if people remember him. He was over like Rover in the 90s when he started. Oh, yeah, Pretty he was big awesome. epic deal. <laughs> he was a he was a BFD man, big effing deal. Then he goes to WCW and it was like, oh yeah, you're uh, you're here. <laughs> and it was like cool for a second, and then it was just like, ah, he's just another guy in the NWO. He's on my list of most underrated wrestlers ever. Yeah, right. Well, then by the time I remember when he came back to WWE, yeah, WWF, I did not. At the very watch. first ever pipe bomb. Yeah, right. I didn't watch WCW when he was there. So I didn't know he was even there. I remember him as a one, two, three kid. And it took me a bit. I was like, uh, like when they started talking, about it, I'm like, Wait a minute, yeah, is that one, two, three kid? He literally came out like six with the DX on. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> I'm like, it, it took me a minute because I like I had no idea that six was a, was a thing. So I just remember him as one, two, three kid. And I'm like, well, this is different. <laughs> and I'm like, uh, that's not what I remember from the from the old VHS tapes. Those. Yeah, Vahus, Google it, bro. If she's uh, if, if she doesn't know what a VHS tape is, bro, she's too young for you, bro. Bro, she has boobs though, bro. <laughs> Hell, man. Uh, although I gotta think, like when I, when DVDs started becoming popular, it was like late nineties. Those people are in their twenties now, man. <laughs> so <laughs> I remember when a DVD player cost like five hundred bucks. So I, I have, know. I thought it was the most amazing thing ever. Dude, my dad's friend had had a DVD player, and we were all like, "Oh, they're rich." <laughs> it was. Yeah, it was. Yeah, it was weird. for like twenty bucks. Yeah, right. Like people junk them all the time because they're like, "Eh, whatever." But uh, speaking of uh, junking it, uh, Jake oh, yeah? the Jake the Snake Roberts is expected to debut at the June sixteenth Clash of the Champions. To which I say, oh. <laughs> he actually. <laughs> 
he actually doesn't debut until August. So they're off by like three months. This is the famous thing where he walked in and he had a contract and Bill Walsh tore it up, right? That I don't know. I just know he DDT'd somebody. He was wearing yeah, a leather jacket. Jake Roberts said it. He said he walked in Bill Watts saw, his, saw him and ripped the contract right in half. What the hell? So he, wait, so he came in and he fired him? I don't know if he got fired because he came. He obviously came back at Halloween Havoc, but or he's at Halloween Havoc. I remember that. That infamous uh, coal mining glove match by accident. <laughs> um, yeah, but um, I know there was. He says it on his DVD. I have the DVD. He says he walks in and Bill Watts sees him and tears up the contract. Like, so you didn't see a name on the contract? You just saw a contract and a figure walking towards you. That's what confused yeah, right. me. Well, I I remember that. Uh, uh, Eric Bischoff said the thing, and uh, Tony Schiavone talked about it too, because he was on the booking committee, and he had like Eric Bischoff just kind of came in and did his duties and got the f out during this time, whereas Tony Schiavone was like in the thick of it, and he talked about like there was the thing was like Bill Watts was cutting everybody's pay, and it didn't matter who the hell you were, he was cutting your damn pay, and he cut it to the bone. So he was like, well, we're not making money, so everybody gets pay cut, and you know. It, Let's not improve business to maybe, you know, make it worth for contracts. But he was basically like uh, ripping up contracts and starting fresh with everybody. So what I don't know. Go wrong there. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Because they didn't lose any. Uh, you know, whose contract got a nice big boost was uh, little boy Eric's. Yeah. Well, well, the fact that he got paid at all during this time was uh, something. <sighs> but uh, this story is. Uh, that's that's the worst example of nepotism in history. Uh, that well, I I would put that yeah uh, that up there along with Garrett Bischoff that was another one. Well, he didn't do much though, so can you really say that? He was heavily I mean, featured in TNA. Greg for a Gagne, while. maybe uh, next one. Greg, yeah, Greg Gagne and and uh, Larry Zbysko are are two. Uh, Larry, Larry by association because he was just like the son-in-law. But <laughs> it's funny that that uh, like you and I talked about that. Vern's looking, it's like. Crap, who can I guarantee will never leave me? Well, there's my son and my son-in-law. Let's give the world, <laughs> let's give the world title to the guy who's not technically related to me. Because my son sucks so bad. This next one, this guy is in WCW, but it's kind of outside of wrestling news. But effed up. I've heard about this stuff before from him. Harley Race is in a legal battle over a boating accident in 1990 as Brenda Willison claims that Race was drunk and reckless when he rammed his boat into Brenda's boat two years ago. Race's lawyer thinks that Harley should be hailed as a hero because he helped pull the woman and her husband to safety from the wreckage, although Willison suffered a broken neck, or excuse me, a broken back and has been in a wheelchair since the accident. Testifying against Race was his ex-wife, who claims that he was so drunk that she refused to ride with him. Race's lawyer pretty much claims that his ex-wife is just being nasty about their whole divorce, and that seems to be how the jurors are taking it as well. Oh, yeah, oh. get get a disgruntled ex-wife to testify against him. What can go wrong there? Wow. <laughs> it's not like she has a reason to, you know, talk crap about him or anything. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I've I've heard of stuff like this from Harley Race before. So yeah, He would uh, supposedly, you know, Get pretty toasty and uh, get behind the wheel. Allegedly. So. This is the same guy that showed up with a gun to shoot Hogan to. Yeah, right. And I don't, I don't know how many times, like multiple people have said they they refused to ride with him because he would drive at over 100 miles an hour, like everywhere, and he was just like freaking reckless as hell. But he actually that is the uh, second Fast and Furious reference we made this show. 
And well, and he, uh, I, I guess, his first wife died in a car wreck with him behind the wheel because he I, supposedly he was speeding and uh, got into a pretty bad wreck and it ended up killing her. Allegedly. So I don't know. Harley Race and motor vehicles do not mix. His name is Race, dude. <laughs> what, do yeah, you, like, what is the one missing here? Uh, that should that should tell you all you need to know. Right. His there. first name is a damn motorcycle. Well, and oh. he's a uh, well, and he's an old gruff white guy from Missouri, so I'm I'm sure he loved him some Missouri. NASCAR. Yeah. Oh God. Uh, I'm, I'm sure he. I'm sure he loved him some NASCAR. So there was one sport know. worse, and I use that word loosely. One sport worse than soccer. There it is. Yeah, it's uh, it's up there. But anyway. You know what I can do? I can accelerate the gas 500 miles and make a huge left turn. Man, this well, is yeah, a crazy sport. But you not get about this, you a hole. Like they drive fast, Greg. God. Yeah. Anyway, they go in a circle. That's that's Both big fun. Times. Without getting dizzy. Now that is a skill. NASCAR, the one sport you can fall asleep at the beginning, wake up near the end, not have missed a damn thing. <laughs> yeah, uh, I, I I can't fathom like sitting there through that whole thing and like being invested. It's the same thing over and over. Occasionally, you'll get somebody to pass somebody else. I don't know, but I know pass we're gonna, a goal. We're gonna p- piss some people off, but I, I I can't help it. I'm sorry. It I sucks, just, I, dude. I don't I don't get it. Oh, you know, you know, when you're there live, you got the, the, the revving of the engines or whatever. It's like, I, I'm sorry. If I hear revving engines for hours, I'm going to bash my brains against the wall. I live in California, okay? I just go to the damn freeway if I want to hear that. Yeah. Yeah, I'm sorry. It, like, it doesn't take 40 laps to decide a winner of a race, all right? That, at that point, it's like, what, what is going on here? Point A to point B in a quarter mile. That's where I draw the line. Yeah. But there's nothing new concerning Sid right now. But the WWF is still expecting WWF is still <laughs> expecting him back at the end of his six week suspension. The smart money is on Sid taking the entire summer off and then returning to the highest bidder. Oh, he goes to he- Mister Electricity. I'm pretty sure. <laughs> yeah. Oh God, I forgot about that. Well, Greg, why would he take the whole summer off? I, I, I what could he possibly be doing that would take a few months? Involves, uh, I, I, I don't know. Maybe going on a hike or something? Yeah, I don't know. Maybe it's, uh, something involving a... It looks like a baseball, but it's a little bigger, a little softer, and, uh, you know... Yeah, it's right, up there with, uh, it's right up there with NASCAR as far as, like, you know, as far as sports go. Anybody hit a big old softball with a bat? You throw it underhanded? Yeah. <laughs> I'd Look, rather not... watch soccer, and that's a statement. <laughs> I, will, I will give them this. It takes, a, like, if you're throwing underhanded... And you're trying to hit the strike zone. It takes a, that does take a bit of talent and some practice, whatever. But you're not whipping it in there at like uh, you know 95 mile per hour uh, fastball like or something. No like one that. Ryan, that damn thing. Yeah, right. So Which, I'm sorry. By the way, you know, people would rather have a Sid shirt than a Nolan Ryan signed butt baseball. Remember that? That's a real quote, by the way. Sid said, said, "Oh God, I forgot about that." <laughs> that I don't want to go Ryan signed ball. Like, like buy me a. A home? I want a Sid yeah. shirt. A home? Well, it'd be a big-ass <laughs> home. You can get beachfront property with that. Also, before anyone gets mad, I, I think I can speak with Troy on this. We, we like Sid, so. 
yeah, make that right. clear. I'm not knocking the guy. Also, I do want to point out that my uncle transitioned to playing softball when he was, like, pushing 40. So, <laughs> it's just, before that, he actually played baseball. You know, like, uh, like an adult. But, you know, whatever. <laughs> I mean, we were burying the world in this one, man. It's like, we're, uh, like I know. I'm making Jim Cornette or something, just hitting everybody. <laughs> People are going to get pissed. I'm sorry. We're like Matt and Trey on South Park. Dude. We, we hit everything. Okay. Dude, if there's somebody Don't out there one thing. Get everybody. If there's somebody out there that cares so passionately about these sports that they want to write in, well then, it's like, come on. Dare insult my precious softball. Yeah, because you know, we all know about that great pro softball league. Oh wait. There's a reason, by the way, that like every company or anything you have work for has a softball team because anybody can do it. Yeah, right. Hey, uh, Phyllis over in accounting that, uh, you know, gets like one day of exercise per year. Uh, yeah, let her play. And that's, okay. and that's including picking up the pencil every so often. Right. I was in a church softball league where like we had like 70 year old dudes on it. All right. It's, oh, it's those are hard to win because I heard they refuse to steal. Good God. <laughs> no, you just have to pray after every steal. So you got to ask for <laughs> forgiveness. That's Either what you way. do when you're a pitcher going to the mound. <laughs> yeah, right. Anyway, uh, Sid, for his part, is denying everything about his failed drug test and says that he chose to he chose to leave the WWF. There's also no evidence that he was ever asked to do a job for the Ultimate Warrior, so that's likely not the inciting incident either. Oh yeah, well, I'm I mean, sure if that it, was true, he would just lie out say it, right? <laughs> yeah, I yeah, to do the job. yeah, right. Well, I well, I don't know. Some people are like out loud and proud about it. Like, well, they want me to job to this guy. Like, pff, of course I quit. But it's like, oh, they wanted me to job to the guy behind Hogan. Who the hell do they think they are? <laughs> After having just lost the Hogan, mind you, I was so many eight. Yeah, right. <laughs> the F ever, man. Uh, this name, not a lot of people this know is kind it. Of like the situation we're in now, people are talking crap about. Cody being, quote, demoted. Like, okay, you lost the Roman. Now he's going to face Brock. In what world is that demotion? Yeah. Well, because he doesn't have the title, Greg. I got told. Like, I got no, but into, he is the biggest star in wrestling. Idiot. Well, I got into an argument with some guy on, online about or on our, on our YouTube about that. Because they said, if you have the title, that means you are the guy, period. And I'm like, really? Tell that to CM Punk, who had, like, an extremely long run with the WWE title. But he never main evented. Ever, unless he was facing John Cena. John Cena was the guy. He was doing all the appearances. He was in all the main events. He was the guy for all intents and purposes. Well, he didn't have the belt. Therefore, I'm like, who gives a crap about the belt, man? Like that doesn't make you the guy all the time. Yeah, like I'm sorry. There were plenty of people in. Like Sting was never like he he was a guy. He was a top guy. I would never have said he was like. The face of WCW driving yeah, the numbers. I think you and I both said the same thing about the Undertaker. Right. Yeah. The Undertaker was never the the top guy, but he, even when he held the belt, like it, he was not the guy in the company. Like Austin or Rock were the guy. But whatever. Ain't hey, damn thing wrong with that, by the way. No, I don't know. I, I just I don't get that argument. Well, if you have the belt, that means you're the guy. Period. It's like we just talked about the Ultimate Warrior, by the way, too. Right. When he was the champion, I'm sorry, Hogan was still there and people were looking at him like Ultimate Warrior was a top guy and some people were bigger fans of his than Hogan. 
But Warrior didn't. We just talked about staying power. Warrior didn't have the staying power. But uh, this next story here, people might not know this uh, this name too much, but he was basically involved in the uh, the drug testing backstage for WWF. But Steve Flanamenta gave another interview regarding the steroid testing, noting that he doesn't consider steroid suspensions for guys like Sid and Warrior to be a victory because true victory would be that all of the guys were off the drugs, so they don't have to test any longer. In fact, he said about Warrior, quote, I've looked in his eyes and his head was clear. He's never looked or sounded better. He's healthy. He's rested, end quote. Also, Kerry Von Erich went to rehab and now he's looking great and doing much better. But my question is, what kinds of drugs were Steve Flanamenta on? So he can look at a guy's eyes and see that he's clean. Yeah, I don't think anybody has ever looked at the warrior like, and talked I, to it. Like, I feel like the Olympic Committee should hire this guy if he can look at somebody's eyes and tell they're clean. Yeah, right. Well, that's a hell of a superpower you got there, bud. Um, <laughs> it's kind of a lame one, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, I, look, I know these guys are dead, but let's be honest well, With your words, you're like, going to get in trouble. Uh, I know. He's like, oh, I looked in the warrior's eyes and his head was clear. He's never looked and sounded better and he's healthy and rested. Nobody ever said that about the warrior. Like, no, I they, think um, I think that uh, Bobby Heenan's commentary on him was the warrior was so nuts he makes coffee nervous. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> like That's the, one of my all-time favorite quotes. This guy makes coffee nervous. <laughs> after... <laughs> After meeting with and talking to the warrior, the the line that people walked away with was never like, "Oh, he looked and sounded great and healthy and rested." No, it was, "What the hell is wrong with him? He's back crazy." <laughs> and Kerry Von Erich went to rehab, and now he's looking great and doing much better. I come on, man! Like, obviously that is a tragic end to it. So it's like, I, mean, I don't he, know. Did he kill himself because he was going to go to jail for violating drug charges or something like that? Yeah, it was, a, it was a bunch of drug issues and some oh. other stuff, I believe. It was like a seven-year I mean, I'm in no way poking fun at this or nothing either. It's, it's horrible, no. but it's like, no. Yeah. Was he this guy a Warrior fan or something? Dude, I, I don't know, but like the, the, the one hunter, uh, since the, I since like... give that, actually, if you're going to stick up for someone you were a huge fan of, but... Well, since the uh. mid-80s... Nobody has ever said, oh, well, Kerry's looking healthy and, and competent and, and doing great. No, and that's sad, but it's true. Like, nobody's ever been like, oh, Kerry is on the right path here. Like, the, I had told a story the on another. did look good, to be fair. But... Oh, well, yeah. But, I mean, we had reviewed, uh, was it Super Clash 3 where he faced three. Lawler? Yeah, I think yeah, it was 3, yeah. And, now the and yes, and at the, beginning so of, at the beginning of their match, right. At the beginning of their match, he's taken off his ring coat, and then, like, you can see he's effing with his arm, and I brought this up in our review. He was he was supposed to blade in the match, which, boy, did he ever. And he's effing around with the blade backstage, slices his bicep open, and he's got an open wound. So Lawler had to figure out, well, how the hell am I going to, like, now i got to work his arm in the match to make it seem like I busted him open. <laughs> so and who, who plays an arm? Besides yeah, Chris right. Jericho on AEW, he did that recently. Not recently. Yeah. But. Well, a lot of the deathmatch guys will do that crap, which definitely It was deathmatch, by the way. Yeah, go figure. <laughs> and then uh, there was a story I I had heard about. Ric Flair was supposed to do a tour where he faced Carrie like multiple nights in like uh, it was like a month long tour or something where he I'm faced sorry, Carrie. Just a moment to laugh at the fact that we're talking about blading and you go right to Flair. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that was too obvious. But uh, 
Yeah, he would. Uh, Flair was supposed to face Carrie, like I think, in a cage for the NWA title, like every night for a, like a couple times a week for a month or something like that. And after the first night, it went so poorly. He comes backstage and he threw the title at somebody and was like, "Here, you work with him the rest of the effing month." <laughs> like, damn, damn that's like, uh... yeah, that's bad. And Carrie was supposed to be a good worker, but when he's uh, under the influence, nobody's a good worker. So I don't. Oh, I mean, you know, go back to that Jeff Hardy incident. Yeah, right. Unless you believe, uh, you know, the crap that Bret Hart says when he talks about British Bulldog, you know, being under the influence at SummerSlam '92. Uh, yeah, I, still, I don't know if I believe it or not because that match is amazing. There's no way in hell someone could be under the influence and have a match like that. Well, according to Bret, that was all him. So there you go. Which I I would tend to say, bull crap, no effing way. But he did squeeze a really good match out of Tom McGee, who was worthless. So that was uh, God, so overhyped though, man. It was. It wasn't like that a five like a star match. classic. That's like that was Undertaker and Shawn Michaels or something at twenty five or something. <laughs> I know. Just settle down, man. The lost tape, man. <laughs> it was like uh, it was like Indiana Jones and and the in the Last Crusade, where he's like looking for the Holy Grail. Like oh, it's I, it. Yeah. This is it. I found it. <laughs> Oh, don't forget, well, that's man-ass Tom McGee. Oh, exactly. You know, and he showed a lot of it. <laughs> uh, speaking of this guy, British Bulldog and Chris Walker, I don't know who Chris Walker is, have been suspended for six weeks. Meanwhile, Kerry Von Erich was pulled from the road again, but it isn't a suspension. No word on why he was pulled from the road. I'm. They just talked about rehab, so maybe that was it. I don't know. But <laughs> British Bulldog and getting suspended for... Uh, substance abuse go together like lamb and tuna fish. Lamb and tuna fish? Maybe you prefer spaghetti in the meatball? Yeah, consider in America. If you don't like spaghetti meatballs, get the hell out. <laughs> Even though it's Italian. Ah, man. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. Uh, why we get that one in way too often? But it's a classic. It. Yep. Oh, but, yeah. Uh, it's like, it's like, for some reason, and we did not discuss this, folks. For some reason, Adam Sandler and Chris Farley are like the official celebrities of this podcast. <laughs> so damn quotable, man. <sighs> uh, going to Mr. Super Lawyer here, Jerry McDevitt was admitted to the Connecticut bar so that he can officially practice law in that state and specifically defend Mr. McMahon, Mr. Vince McMahon and Pat Patterson in the Murray Hodgson trial. WWF got another postponement just to be on the safe side. Uh, oh, the, yeah, you're getting a rookie guy right out of the bar. You should get a postponement. Yeah, right. <laughs> I uh, imagine that man being a rookie, by the way. Yeah, right. It's like when you uh, see like Tom Brady or Babe Ruth. Like, hey, hey, start somewhere. That young Michael well, Jordan's going to be a real go-getter. Well, it wasn't necessarily like, um, because if you want to practice law in a certain state, you have to pra- pass the bar for that specific state. So I, I'm assuming he's out of New York. So maybe he just like, they're like, well, you're damn good. We want you to defend us in this other state, too. So I was like, well, I guess I got to get my bar, you know, got to pass the bar there, too. But, oh, man, it's, it's kind of weird because I'm assuming it's just because of, like, the different laws and ordinances and crap per state. You imagine so, him being mean, that good that he knows all those and can win them all? Yeah, right. But getting on to the actual what the what this trial was about, I guess the Hogson trial was about alleged sexual abuse suffered uh, while working for the WWF as a teenager, supposedly, uh, for for different different plaintiffs around the time. It was that one that involved uh, uh, Pat Patterson and uh, a few others. 
And I guess Hogson had some highly disturbing specific accusations against Pat Patterson, although it later came out during the trial that Hogson had sued a number of his past employers for the same exact thing, outing him as a habitual con man taking advantage of the situation. Who would have ever guessed? Yeah. Well, to be on the safe side, I will say... Allegedly! So, so he's like uh, New Jack. Everybody called him the N-word. Everybody touched this guy. Yeah, right. Like, good lord, man. Every time you get fired from an employer, they touched my wiener. That's where Nails got it. Yeah, right. Like, good grief, man. And it wasn't even like the uh, the hashtag me too yet. Like, it was just like... Uh, well, it no, can't everybody... be me too. It's the same one over and over, right? <laughs> well, this, this specific trial, there was like, I don't know, four or five different people that were like, oh, yeah, some effed up stuff was going on. To be very fair about it, there was one guy, I can't remember who it was now, that was pulled in there that was, that was accused. He actually did get fired, uh, and I guess he, he did get, you know, so they found that he had done some stuff. Pat Patterson was accused, but never, like, found, like, guilty of anything, so. It seems to be a thing with WWE, like, when, they, when someone sees a lawsuit that they can hop on board, maybe get some cash from. Remember that? Oh, that? yeah. That head trauma one that like, a couple of years ago, or yep. oh, it was a recently. Hell, yeah, I think they, there's some guys that were never even there. We're there for like one match, like some of the, some of the guys from the rebranded ECW. Yep, you were there for like five minutes. Wasn't uh, weren't Raven and Sabu in on that? I believe so. Yeah, that's why they don't have any Mattel figures. That's what everyone says. Yeah, them and then uh, Demolition was a part of that one. Yeah, I want to say, say there were a few others that uh, were, you know bigger names but there were also some uh widows i think of deceased wrestlers too i want to say how can you how can you prove that then yeah right (laughs) well they're they're gonna say well they got their head trauma during you know or their brain trauma during their time there it's like it's don't hold me to this but i believe viscera mabel whatever you want to call him his wife was in on it i think yeah i mean uh, I, I don't know. I, I don't I don't know how to word it specifically, but it's like you're assuming a certain kind of risk. I mean, they literally say it's not ballet for a reason. So, oh, I, you know, you also got to take into account, like, if you were everywhere else and only here for like once, how can you prove the one that you were here for is what did it to you? Right. Yeah. They're just piggybacking at that point. I think Balls Mahoney. Or his family or something was in on it. You mean the, guy, the, you mean the chair swinging freak probably took a million shots to the head in ECW? Yeah. Well, that, that was another thing. I got into a discussion with somebody about that. And I'm like, well, if it happened in ECW, how can you sue WWE over it? And he said, well, since they bought the, the – they basically um, bought up ECW or uh, absorbed it, whatever, uh, you assume all their legal stuff moving yeah, forward. Yeah, and you just happen to now do it when someone else owns it that has money? Yeah. That's a smell right. <laughs> yep. Either way. Uh, we're actually having a segment return to the show. We haven't done this in a while. So uh, let's get into this. What's going on in Mexico? Something involving Conan, no doubt. Uh, actually, not well. I don't know. Well, actually. So. Okay, so he is he is in the story, but it's not about him. Color me shocked. (laughs) Well, this is actually a really big story. Uh, So I was like, I have to include it. 
but there's more on the split of EMLL in Mexico, which was announced to be to the public the on May 7th. Uh, it's the old name for CMLL. They were, I can't remember what the E stood for. I, it, the whole name is in Spanish, so I don't freaking know. I failed Spanish. <laughs> so, but, uh, yeah, they, I, I don't know exactly when they became CMLL officially, but yeah. Either way, um, but Antonio Pena will launch his new promotion. <sighs> I just told you I failed Spanish, so bear with me. El Asistencia uh, Asesoria Administración. I butchered that, but whatever. Or AAA. Say that for short. Uh, and he oh. announced a, he announced the signing of 32 wrestlers to stock his roster. These include El Io del Santo, Octagon, and Conan along with CMLL champion Cien Caras, Fuerza Guerrera, and Blue Panther. Not only that, but Pena controls the midgets, and he who controls the, the midgets controls Mexican wrestling. That is a is phrase... That, sense? that is a phrase I said. Uh, I don't know if that's exactly true, but I will say this. Uh, midget wrestling is not a joke in Mexico. I mean, they, oh, I they, do, they do little ha-ha spots, you know, whatever. But it's not treated as a joke down there. Like it's it's like some uh, midget luchadors are just as popular as the taller ones. I don't know how else to word that, <laughs> but the non midget ones, I'll say. But yeah, it's actually treated with respect down there. Like um, oh, the one that was uh, uh, with Matadors. What was his name? El El Torito. Yeah, he was a big name down there. I, I'm not going to tell you exactly what it is right now, but he was, he was very famous down in Mexico. And I think he ended up going back and doing stuff back down there after he left WWE. So, but you can expect a ton of title changes or at least vacancies right away as EMLL desperately tries to get the titles off of the guys before they jump ship. Also to your point, bro, we're gonna strip the titles, bro. We have tournaments. Yeah. Yeah. Everybody turn in your titles, bro. Tournaments, bro. <laughs> going to be on polls. You're going to have to pull them down, but you still don't win, bro. You got to, there's a second stipulation, bro. <sighs> anyway, but uh, to your point, uh, I see, oh, Conan jumping from company to company. No. That, I don't think he's ever done that before. Yeah, no, he didn't, he didn't uh, hopscotch around and uh, give everybody the finger and whatever. No, never. But I mean, honestly, if you look at that list, I can see why AAA got pretty popular pretty quickly because I mean, El Io del Santo, Octagon, Conan, Cien Caras, Fuerza Guerrera, Blue Panther. I, those are all pretty big names down in Mexico. So, uh, man, I, I don't know what facilitated the split, but uh, when you've got that many big names jumping ship, like something happened. He, the, the guy who ran EMLL must have pissed some people off. That's all I know. Uh, but last story from Mexico is... Andre the Giant is doing one last tour of Mexico with the UWA and is absolutely packing them in. So UWA, for people that don't know, usually ran uh, like bullfighting arenas. So like the the round area where the the bullfighting would take place, that's where they would put the ring. And they're pretty big venues, but they had like bleacher seats and stuff, I believe. So they would... uh, Drawn, uh, drawn full houses for Andre the Giant, who unfortunately couldn't move very well at this point, but he's there. That's all they cared about. Was this before or after he went to the UWF? Was Andre in UWF? Oh, yeah, that's he right. He showed up there minute. once. Yeah. 
he never wrestled a match, and he just come out on crutches or something like that. He came out, and like apparently, like the next week, he was back in the WWE. Oh yeah, <laughs> I think, and he basically did that same reason. He showed up at uh, was it one of the Super Brawls in WCW? I think it was Slamboree, the Legends reunion. That was at Slamboree. Yeah, he showed up there. Basically, it's like a middle finger to Vince. It's like, what did Vince do? Just tell you you can't wrestle anymore? Like, like Isn't I don't know. his final it. ever appearance in wrestling, too? I think so, yeah. He went over to, to Japan and did matches over there where it was it, they were all like tag team matches, so he could basically just stand in the corner the whole time. But yeah, that was his last match in WWE as well. WrestleMania 6, I believe. Hmm. He just sat, stood there and let Haku wrestle the whole match. Yep, and then he'd come in and do, like, one chop or some crap like that, and that'd be the end of it. Yep. Now, speaking of Japan, though, the great Kabuki called a press conference to announce that he was not going to FMW after all, so the FMW Super World of Sports deal is probably dead. Yeah. Maybe great Kabuki didn't want to be in an exploding ring? I mean, just a guess. For the record, I don't know if they were doing exploding rings in 92, but it was close enough to this time. <sighs> of the era, dude. Garbage matches happen all the time. Dude, I saw this match. I want to say it was uh, Kyle from Apron Bump might have shared a clip. I could be wrong, but it was Onita versus Chono, and I'm like, I have never wanted to not watch a match so much in my life. <laughs> like, I Can't hated Chono. Not watch this. Yeah, right. I hated Chono. I hated Onita. It's just, it's just, uh, for some reason, they're treated like gods in Japan. I think they well, suck. So is Bob I, Sapp, don't forget. Yeah. And Scott Norton doesn't suck, but he's one of them where I'm like, why? Like, him? Why him? I don't know. But anyway, the UWFI crowned their first champion on May 8th as Gary Albright, likely the second toughest man in wrestling after Dr. Death, by beating T- uh, Takata by knockout with a series of suplexes to claim the title. Well, I think Bart Gunn may have a say in that. <laughs> uh, Kochi Katao also debuted for the group, knocking out Kazuo Yamazaki with a kick to the face and adapting, quite, the face. E- and adapting quite easily to the new style. Luthez was on hand to put over the group and called everything in the U.S. a circus. But yeah, dude, because you wrestled when it was like you put on little trunks and like a small pair of boots and then rolled around on the ground humping each other. So no knee pads, no mobile pads. Ironically enough, that stuff did start off in the circus. So <laughs> whatever. But UWFI was kind of like a, a work shoot promotion. And that was the one, if anybody hears about the, the old myth of that AW Bishop. That um, Eric Bischoff ripped off the uh, the Japanese storyline for uh, for the NWO. It was the UWFI that invaded New Japan. I want to say, and they say, "Oh well, he saw that and came up with the whole NWO." Uh, yeah, I, I I don't buy that. I don't think a lot of people outside of the nephews do. But well, actually, Dave Meltzer told me. Yeah, well, if Uncle Dave says it, therefore it is. He would never lie. So it is written. So it shall come to pass. Oh God! You know, I got, I forgot to tell you something. Last, I think last week we were talking about that idiot. Mm. Said something about his degrees. 
where he would might have gotten them from. Apparently, he did get one from Stanford, and I kind of knocked him and said, "There's no way in hell he went from Stanford." I guess he did. Someone listened and and sent me a message. No. Well, like, well I, then, <laughs> that calls into question all of their degrees. <laughs> right. Richard Sherman really ain't that smart then. That's why whenever I hear an idiot talking about, well, I have such and such degrees, and then I think, well, that's not making you look better. That's making me question the college because you <laughs> are an idiot. <laughs> also, just hammers home that anybody can do anything they want in life. There you go. Do you, you know how many people I knew that were not all that bright that are like, well, I'm going for my master's degree. It's like, cool. Uh, Master well, idiot? Yeah, let me know how that goes. Like, you know what you can do with a master's degree? Not a lot. <laughs> White grass. Uh, yeah, basically. It's like, so basically what you're telling me is you like wasting money and spending a lot of time in school. Got it. <sighs> I do not. But either way. Does that pay the bills? Yeah. Uh, no, it, uh, it takes money from those bills. But you know what, Greg? Let him call. Good Lord. <laughs> <laughs> uh, to Dallas for the Global Wrestling Federation. Their TV taping was down to 319 people at the Sportatorium for a show filled with the cheapest possible Dallas local talent, doing matches stretching to ridiculous lengths, and uh, and the same. Any chance some loser named Steve Austin was on that crowd uh, on that card? Uh, well, no, he was he he had moved up to the big leagues of Atlanta at this point, but uh, and it was the same 10 people working multiple times. Go figure. Like, why are you even open at this point, man? It's like, oh, well, well business has got to pick up at some point. No, it's not. You, you, you were able to con 319 people into coming to the Dallas Sportatorium. Good or, for you. Or you found the 300 biggest idiots in Dallas. Right. But uh, GWF is still advertising full steam ahead with Eddie Gilbert defending the North American title even though he literally showed up on a competitor's TV show last week and pretty much told GWF to kick rocks. <clears throat> Hot stuff, Eddie Gilbert. That is correct. <laughs> uh, we mentioned Chris Farley earlier, so there you go. But to explain his absence, GWF well, We have no female listeners, probably, but you know, if there's any guys that swing that way, can you please let me know if he really is hot stuff? I always wondered. <laughs> Uh, but they announced to the crowd that uh, Eddie's plane was late and he was unable to make the show. So Dutch Mantel advances in the tournament for the title. Until then, no one knew yeah. that that... Because <laughs> that's a replacement for Eddie Gilbert. Dirty right. Dutch. <laughs> well, until then, nobody knew that that match or the tournament was even happening. So they made an announcement for something that nobody even knew anything about. Got it. <sighs> Speaking of that... Eddie Gilbert took his GWF North American title to Memphis, go figure, and he's not going back to Dallas to defend it again. He'll be doing a title unification feud with Jerry Lawler, and GWF is pretty much boned. What the hell is GWF, by the way? Uh, that was the Dallas territory at this time. I'm only All now just left. hearing this. Yeah, they went through like 500 name changes there for a bit. And obviously were they the first... WCCW at one point? Uh, yeah, they were... I don't know if this was the same exact company crew whatever because it's like like I'm, I'm thinking of the old adage it's like you have a broom and the bristles start going so you replace the bristles and then after a while the handle starts going so you replace a handle is that still the same broom yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like not really but eh. 
Either way. But uh, yeah, so it's like it was WCCW and there was WCWA and then I guess it's GWF. I don't freaking know. But either way, last story I got. Speaking of the king, Jerry Lawler in explaining his UWA world title victory over or excuse me, USWA world title victory over Kamala this week said that he just had to wait for the giant to make his fatal mistake. As it turned out, that mistake was made a week earlier when Kamala jumped to the WWF. Uh, yeah. Like, how did you beat Kamala? Uh, well, he was leaving, so we booked it that way. <laughs> he had to drop his belt. Good God. Anyway. You made yourself look good, by the way. I, just, I just beat the Ugandan giant. Yeah, right. Uh, I still will never forget Jerry Lawler talking about that he came up with like that uh, the gimmick and everything for for Sugar Bear Harris there, and he would he would do the the painting of him every night. And one night after like a month, he finally looks at Jerry Lawler. He's like, Jerry, uh, I wanted to ask you, how come every night you paint a big banana on my belly? <laughs> and he, and he started laughing. He's like, dude, it's a crescent moon. He's like, oh, okay. <laughs> like, what the freaking hell? Little moon belly Kamala. So, oh, banana belly rare, Kamala. It's <laughs> a rare wrestling figure. You're fine. That's worth like eighty grand or something like that. Really, I have the Jax version of it. There is an episode of uh, Miz and Mrs. where Matt Cardona makes Miz go buy the figure for him, and he pays him when he gets it. It's, just, it's freaking hilarious. Wow. And then his mother-in-law <laughs> almost gives it to a little girl to play with. <laughs> it's oh like an eight thousand dollar figure. <laughs> Dude, I would have. Kicked him in the damn. Head. I would have done like a flying kick to the head. Like, how dare you? <sighs> but anyway, but let's get into the show, shall we? Are you ready for this? Uh, I mean, I wasn't. I was ready to watch you when it came on. I wish I had turned it off. So, kind of ready. <laughs> yeah, I had to fight the urge to like. Uh, I kept having to force myself to pay attention during the show. That's so. the downside of having a, a Nintendo Switch. You just Pluck it on anytime you want. Yeah, right. Uh, I, hey, I was, um, I was doing a bunch of other things, like working on my novel and uh, doing artwork for the podcast or whatever. And I'm like, oh yeah, I'm supposed to be watching this damn thing and taking notes. Uh, I was man. watching and because I'm running through uh, uh, Breath of the Wild again, getting ready for next month, and like I'm just, you know, I'm not tuning out, but at the same time, like. Man, if I was watching this and just this, I'd be asleep by now. Yeah, right. Uh, come to the main event, though, I did watch the entire thing, so. Yeah, yeah. yeah I will say, the last couple of matches, at least, were, were damn good. The main event was amazing, but we'll get into all that. On the other end of this break right here, uh, where we'll dive into WrestleWar 92. Follow the main event marks at facebook.com forward slash main event marks pod on Twitter at main event underscore marks and on Instagram at main event underscore marks and at main event collector. Hey gang, it's Commissioner Cooper of TSS Fantasy. We are the fantasy show of the people. Expert fantasy advice, free contests, leading expert medical and legal analysis, and most importantly, you. Interact with us on all social media platforms or check us out at tssfantasy.com. You can hear us on Spotify, Apple and Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, and many more. 
Check out the fun today and be a part of the most interactive fantasy show around. TSS Fantasy, the fantasy show of the people. Hello, everyone. My name is Ryan McCarthy, and I'm the host of the No Credentials Required podcast. Start your work week with the Monday Drop-In, where I talk about the sports beat in the Capital District, also known as the Mighty 518, as well as Metro New York sports from an upstate point of view. I also give a life lesson from a weekly sports story, so you might learn something from that. I also have a midweek podcast where I interview different sports personalities and talk about a wide array of topics. Take a listen and subscribe on your preferred podcast app, including Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Spreaker, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, and iHeartRadio. Also check out our social media channels on Twitter and Instagram, BellyUpNCR, and Facebook.com forward slash BellyUpSportsNCR. We're a part of the BellyUpSports Podcast Network in association with Godzilla Media. No credentials required, where you don't need a press pass to talk sports. Marks are available wherever you get podcasts and on YouTube. Find all of our links on our link tree at linktr.ee forward slash main event marks. And we're back. We're back. It is WCW Wrestle War 1992 on May 17th, 1992. The tagline, and this is a long one destroy or be destroyed. One team will stand, one team will fall in a match so brutal. It can happen only once a year. Right. Uh, I wish it was more than once a year because last night's Raw set up a, a good one. Man. But uh, the attendant, or excuse me, the venue for this one was the Jacksonville Memorial Coliseum in Jacksonville, Florida. The attendance was 6,000 and the buy rate was 0.61. So this was the final Wrestle War ever. They had four in a row, they ended it in 92. Don't know why they wouldn't keep like the legacy one, but whatever. What what did they start having in May after this? Was this Slamboree they started doing? Uh what wait, say again? In their May pay per view. Was it Slamboree? Yeah. Okay. I don't know. Like, I mean that name is okay. It's like you're like, ah, forget Russell War. I don't know, maybe the trademark lapsed or something. It's just I don't know. But uh either way. The Common, one commentary team, I don't know why they had to have multiple, especially when one did nothing. The first one is Tony Schiavone and Eric Bischoff. Tony Schiavone with a haircut, by the way, which shocked the hell out of me. And Eric Bischoff with the greatest head of hair in the business. And then we... Say what? Not, to this, not anymore. Well, who beats him? Charles Robinson? Uh, he, he's a very close second. Mike Rome. Hey, my, Mike Rome can take a Big back seat, all right? Eric Bischoff, all day, every day. Have you seen his hair now, though? Yeah, I know. He, like, didn't he buzz it now? Somewhat. Man, it looks like it's growing back, and he rolls out of bed every time he just goes to do a podcast. Oh, that's right, yeah. It's like, dude, do you just, like, not care anymore? It's like, you're on camera, bro. I know it's, like, just webcam, whatever, but... <sighs> Either way, but uh, the... Uh, like I said, the real commentary team is Jim Ross and Jesse Ventura. Jesse Ventura, who has the worst hair in wrestling. <laughs> He's bald with just like a curly ponytail in the back. Like, what the? <sighs> Why? Even, even Paul Heyman had more hair, dude. Paul Heyman has better hair. <laughs> like, it, it's just... Uh, man, now he wears a ball cap like he's ashamed. Like, dude, we all know you're bald. Not Heyman, uh, Ventura. God dang it, pronouns, pal. Oddly enough, Heyman's dropped the ball cap. 
Yeah, right. He just embraced it. He cut the ponytail. He stopped wearing a ball cap. He's uh, He's got the skullet going on. But uh, this first match is Terry Taylor and Greg Valentine defending the WCW United States Tag Team titles against the Freebirds of Michael Hayes and Jimmy Garvin in 16 minutes. Yep. That's my note as well. Why is this match so damn long? I get in theory they're like, well, it's a big title match to open the show. So we got to – it's like, yeah, but really? And I don't know. I've seen Greg Valentine have great matches. Terry Taylor have great matches. Freebirds are okay. It's like something just was off here, man. It's like, ah, this was rough. But they also, by the way, did not announce him as Terry Taylor or Terrence Taylor. They just announced him as the tailor-made man. That was it. Yeah, it dropped everything at at that point. And he was doing his, it was clearly a Ted DiBiase ripoff. To the ring, he wore like a tuxedo. He had his hair slicked back and he, he... Called himself well, yeah, a tailor-made tuxedo, man. thus being from a tailor. Yeah. <laughs> I get it. Good Didn't you God. notice the spelling of it on the Chiron? Uh, yeah, they spelled it wrong. The tailor, oh. like, it spelled like a tailor. Well, it's, yeah. It was lazy, if you ask me, but I guess it's clever. Like, I, I thought the tailor-made man was fine, but, like, it was just, it would have been better if they weren't just doing a million-dollar man ripoff. That's clearly what they were doing. It was no, like demolition wasn't an LED ripoff. No, don't be saying that. Oh yeah, right. Uh, well, the difference is demolition was good. <laughs> yeah, right. But, but Valentine and Taylor felt like a team that just should not have been. Per usual with the Freebird with Freebird matches, I was bored. At one point, Hayes goes for a DDT on Valentine, but Taylor hits the running five arm, old for laughter. Uh, you know, we were talking about hair. We didn't even mention Michael Hayes' hair. Oh, man. It, you want to talk about making people jealous, man. Like, hot <laughs> damn. He made Farrah Fawcett jealous. <laughs> Pretty sure even Matt Riddle wishes he was him. Yeah, right. Look, I'm not, like, I don't swing that way or anything, but, you know, th- that is a luscious head of hair he had rocking, okay? I, I'm not, I'm man enough to admit it. Bad. Hell Yeah. But either way, uh, he hits the running five arm and he gets a near fall. So this goes on. In the end, <sighs> Garvin goes for a DDT on Taylor because apparently everybody in this damn promotion does a freaking DDT. Uh, Valentine rushes in, but Garvin back body drops him, hits the DDT on Taylor, and wins the tag titles. Uncle Dave gave it a star and three quarters. He gave it an even two. It was just below average. Let's say you. I, I gave it to borderline one though. I got bored, but it took me uh, a little bit to figure out. Oh yeah, the Freebirds are baby faces here. I'm, I'm so one used of those. I'm one of those people fields. from like the old school thought. Like, uh, it can't be too long. It's not going to be hot. Yeah, something's got to be going on. I will say the crowd was hot for this one. I mean, they loved them, them Freebirds for whatever reason, especially them Midwestern. Or, well, not Midwestern. This was in the South, I guess. But especially them, uh, them middle-aged Southern women. Just love them some some dad bod freebirds, man. <laughs> I don't know. But anyway, crowd goes nuts. I don't get it. We now go back to Tony and Eric for a while, and they talk about the next match. And then it's this. It is 
one half of the Young Pistols, Tracy, who is, I guess, a heel here? I thought the Young Pistols were always baby faces, but whatever. Yeah. <laughs> but but Tracy's taking on Johnny B. Bad. Yeah, blah, 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 bad. Uh, yeah, and I know what you're thinking, by the way. Johnny B. Bad's not in the opening match. WTF. Yeah, right. No, uh, what I'm actually what I'm thinking is. But either way, earlier, Eric, <laughs> Eric Bischoff said that Johnny was always a bridesmaid, never a bride. Jesse Ventura says that he believes that Johnny would enjoy being called a bridesmaid. Ha! What? My, my note here, I, I do have a note for that. I said, wow, there's a lot of overtones there, huh? Yeah. Ha! Maybe hey overtones jokes. is the right word. That's yeah. the one I'm looking for. Uh, I don't know. It was, it was a flat-out gay joke. Yep. That was, uh, he was not... Uh, subtle about about this stuff here. There was another show. I, I can't remember if it was Johnny B. Bad again. Or no, it was Jim Cornette. Uh, wasn't it him or was it Jim Ross who just flat out made a gay joke about Jim Cornette? It was like, well, I didn't know he liked women. I don't know. I feel like that's a Jim Cornette joke. I don't think I remember Jim Ross ever saying anything like that. No, it was, it was, a, it was about Jim Cornette, but uh, it was like during some match where it was like the, the other manager was a woman or he had to face a woman or something. And so he's like, Oh, it was I probably, know, he liked it was probably Missy Hyatt. So yeah, it was, that's, that's a, that's a good, uh, a good guess there. But anyway, Johnny's entrance goes on for about two effing years. You think Roman's entrance is long, man. Uh, but he's got pyro shooters. Well, he's got to shoot the pyro thing off and the frisbees and all that crap. Yeah. Well, he didn't have the frisbees here. No room for him, I guess, but he did have pyro shooters, confetti shooters, he slapped a kiss sticker on a woman's cheek, not the band. Like it, it looked like it looked like no. Lips. What, it, what it was, it looked like one of those old dating shows where like they get the question right, they get like a set of lips, and that's, that means they're ahead in points. That's what it looked yeah. like. Yeah, <laughs> and this was apparently to put over his his uh, his uh, hook, his punch, which uh, he called the kiss that doesn't miss. Yeah, or the kiss that don't miss, whatever the f. I don't know, but who gives a crap? Anyway, uh, he slaps that kiss sticker on a woman's cheek. And he gets dollar bills stuffed down his knee pads from another woman. I'm glad you clarified, by the way, because people might have thought it was the actual band kiss. Yeah, right. But what the actual hell is this entrance, man? Just like, god dang. But Johnny doesn't get the pin off of a diving sunset flip, but he does catch Tracy with a kiss that don't miss for the win. Uncle Dave gave this three and three quarter stars. I gave it dose. What say you? I gave it two. In what world is this three? Uh, no, you gave it a, a star and three quarters. Oh. Yeah, so I might have said three. I don't know. I, I don't freaking know. All I know is... That's all I know. You know what's funny? We've actually reviewed some Johnny B. Bad matches I thought were really freaking great. So oh, clearly... Yeah, I, yeah, I, I, just, I, mentioned this, I mentioned this earlier. Uh, clearly, you know, everybody starts somewhere. <laughs> yeah. No, his early stuff was bad. And I'm not talking about, like, the way he means it. Like, it was... It was not good. Not good. Not good. Me, not good. But we go backstage. Number one. Missing. Worst match ever. Good God. Number That's one. Number greatest curtain the <laughs> they say he had the greatest opening matches of all time. I say, are you sure? They say, oh, absolutely. I would say, okay. I believe. Greatest, greatest opening cur- matches of all time. Greatest curtain jerker. This is a shout out to Grandi. <laughs> they say... He loves to jerk the curtain. I say, I wouldn't I, I, that's not what I say. I didn't say that, but some people do say that. They tell me. <laughs> uh, anyway, I think I got them all in. 
We now go backstage with Diggity. the aforementioned Missy Hyatt, standing by with the Freebirds and some woman who I have no idea who she is. We'll get to that. Uh, all the way live. Missy Hyatt or the other chick? Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, uh, but she says that she's proud of her boys, and then Jimmy Garvin goes on for a while like he always does. That's but Jimmy shot. Jam, Garvin. Oh, yeah. Well, he looks like he eats a lot of jam. Uh, the... And then I was like, is Michael actually going to get to speak here? And by God, he does. And uh, it wasn't impressive. But Only he, says, he says he dedicated their match tonight to Ronnie Van Zant and Leonard Skinner. Woo! Skinner! Hell Good yeah. Lord. And then Hayes then makes it clear that they're coming for the world tag titles. Joy. Not those stupid U.S. tag titles. Yeah, I like how they just won a set of tag titles, and they're like, "F these things, we want them other belts." Like, and Jim Cornette is just too many belts wrestling today. <laughs> yeah, right. It's uh, not good when you have belts that you literally call stepping stones. Like, although, why do I want them? To be fair, to play devil's advocate, I mean, I get it. Those are U.S. and they're looking for the world ones, so geographically they are bigger, I guess. Yeah, but it's like eh, I don't know. I just thought it was dumb. But after the entire segment, it takes a Titles, too, by the way. I mean, think about it. Yeah, like, who gives a damn about these? These are placeholder belts. But after the entire segment, it finally takes Tony Schiavone to tell us that that was freaking precious with the Freebirds. I had no clue. Nobody told us. Nobody said her damn name. Finally, we come back to commentary. Tony Schiavone's like, that's uh, precious. And it's like, was it? Like, okay. It's Jimmy Jam's girl, right? Yeah. Uh, didn't look anything like I remember Precious looking like, but, you know, whatever. Now she looks like a mom, which, you know, not dissing it, it's just like, that's not what she looked like last time we saw her. <sighs> but up next, it is Marcus Alexander Effin Bagwell taking on Johnny Effin Flamingo, man. Hells yeah. <laughs> it's the dick dancer match. And it goes on for 7 minutes, 11 seconds. For people that don't know, it's Buff Bagwell versus Raven. Girls or Buff Bagwell versus uh, Johnny Polo. Good God, yeah. Uh, Or, yeah, wasn't he? He's Johnny Flamingo here. I thought he, was he Scotty Polo or Scotty Flamingo? I thought he was Scotty Flamingo. I thought so, too. So he was both? Yeah, because he was Johnny Polo. I do remember that. What the f- why do why do I care? Who gives a damn? Moving oh, on. You're the one still on it, not me. I don't know. I'm like trying to think about it here, and I'm like, wait a minute. I just remembered. I don't care. But uh, the girls go absolutely nuts for Bagwell. I mean, uh, why wouldn't you look at those calf implants? I mean, uh, either way, uh, this is the stuff, dude. Ventura spends most of this match explaining how stupid these guys are, which just effing. Buried, man. Coming from a flamboyant guy like him. <laughs> yeah. Well, he, he he kept talking about, well, why are they doing this? Why aren't they doing that? That's dumb. Why don't they do this? And I'm like, holy cow. I realize they're supposed to be like rookies or whatever, <sighs> but Ventura's just like burying them on commentary, making them look like complete rubes. But Flamingo finally wins off, an, off of an O'Connor roll where he grabbed the tights. Uncle Dave gave it a star and a half. I gave it dose. What say you? I gave it one. It was there. This, on this the might have been. I don't know. This might have been the worst match of the night. Uh, I, that's I, why I said maybe. I know what you're thinking. 
it's a it's a contender. It's 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 definitely a contender. I'll say that. I'd be a contender. And as we know, uh, Johnny Flamingo would be gone forever, bro, and never to be seen from again. Never do anything with his career. He's he's done. Screw that guy. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, we now get a commercial for Beach Blast, nineteen ninety two. Not to be confused with Beach Brawl. Yeah. Right. Oh God. No, that was in the other crappy company <laughs> owned by uh, Tony Khan Senior. Uh, we did cover Beach Blast 1992, now in the archives. I just had to double-check on that. I don't remember Flair anything about and, it. And Rude, right? I think. Was it? Uh, no, wait, Flair yeah. was gone. It was gone forever, bro. No, the main event was the Steiner Brothers versus Terry Gordy and Steve Williams. Who did Rick Rude wrestle? I think he wrestled somebody, didn't he? I might be hella uh, far behind, actually. I think I am. I think Rude's still in the WWE at this time. Uh, no, he's not. No, he's not. No, Rick, no, Rick Rude's on this show. Uh, yeah, the... And then before that, it was a six-man Steve Austin, Bobby Eaton, and Arn Anderson versus Nikita Koloff, Dustin Rhodes, Barry Windham. So obviously, the show is not the blow-off. Uh, Rick Rude took on Ricky Steamboat in a 30-minute Iron Man. That was it. Yeah, that was great. Yeah, uh, I gave it four stars. Uncle Dave gave it three and a half. I'm pretty sure you you gave it a pretty good rating. So yeah, uh, it was it was worth a watch. I, I would say that show was better than this show. So there you, you go. Stretching it there with that opinion, huh? Yeah, I know the bar is on the floor, but, you know, it is what it is. Take your victories where you get them. But either way, we we get a commercial for Beach Blast 92, like I said, now in the archives. uh, Before Jesse Ventura and Jim Ross hype the next match, they remind us about why this match is even happening, starting with Junkyard Dog coming out of the crowd at Super Brawl 2, which is also now in the archives. So we basically did all the pay-per-views around this one, so... Whatever, round out 92, man. <laughs> but we oh, yeah, it's so hard because 92, there weren't a lot of pay-per-views. That is correct. <laughs> this next match was booked as a tag team match. But here we go. It was supposed to be Cactus Jack and Mr. Hughes, which, you know, just screams ratings, versus Ron Simmons and the Junkyard Dog. This goes about five and a half minutes. But during his entrance, Cactus Jack gets off the ramp and walks towards the backstage. Then he attacks JYD from behind during the babyface entrance. Jack does his flying elbow drop off the ramp onto JYD. Simmons calls out for the EMTs to help the dog, who who can barely stand. Once they help JYD to to the back, Simmons comes out to wrestle two-on-one. But however, the referee decides unilaterally that this will not be a handicap match, but instead will be Simmons versus Hughes one-on-one. Because, you know... Referees That's the match just... I wanted. Well, of course. And as you know, Greg, referees can just make matches or change them on the fly. Yeah. Why, why are you like, saying that sarcastically? Like, who booked this crap? And why? Uh, oh. Mr. Pizza Hut or Domino's, whatever one it was. Yeah. Well, the crowd doesn't get this announcement, by the way, so they're just wondering why the hell is this happening? What's going on? Why <laughs> yeah. is Cactus Jack at ringside? So I'm not the only one that realized that. Like, I didn't hear yeah. anybody come over to PA and tell, you know, the house. Yep. No, you just had to figure it out on your own, man. Jim Ross runs down the f- effing football or college football resumes of Simmons and Hughes because, of course. And then Ventura jokingly asks where Cactus Jack went to college. <laughs> and he Shoot, says, the consequence is you. <laughs> But Ross says something about oh, the Atlanta State or the, the Georgia State Penitentiary or something like that or psychiatric ward or some crap. 
And Ventura craps all over Oklahoma. And he's like, oh, I thought he went to that crappy Oklahoma University, you know, like like that uh, loser Bill Watts used to play at. (laughs) And he calls it those horrible Oklahoma teams back in the day. Texas used to beat them every year. I mean, they used to still do. There have been a few years where uh, Oklahoma's been decent, but yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know if this... uh, this was some like shots over the bow, man. You can tell Jim Ross is like trying to blow him off. It's like, dude, I think he's mocking you because every match, like, he's talking about what position Mister Hughes used to play in college football. I'm like, I don't give a damn. Talk about the match, man. You know, Jim Ross also did that with like when the guys didn't go to college. I remember when first saw the mock, and he goes, "Man, this is ideal size for a nose tackle." <laughs> he just wanted to be a football scout so damn bad, didn't he? Well, we're sending grief. Like Oklahoma, all they have is a college team. They don't even have a pro team down there to root for. So it's like once all you... pro team. That's the the Thunder in the NBA. <laughs> Ooh, yeah. Well, yeah, that's a pretty good one. Or well, I don't know about now. I know they were at one point. Well, at one Did point they... they had three of the best players in the world. I still couldn't win it all. So there's that. <laughs> yeah. <sighs> but yeah, this was just annoying. It's like, dude, we're talking about the college resumes. Let's get to the damn match. Like, there's actual wrestling in front of you, man. But in the end, Cactus Jack gets knocked off the apron. Ron Simmons hits the football tackle on Mr. Hughes' knee, and then he pins him to win. Uncle Dave gives it a star and a half. I give it a dose. What say you? I gave it two. I was it being was generous, fine. too. Yeah. Mr. Hughes is not good. I don't understand how he kept getting hired. Because he's huge. He can be in someone's muscle. What yeah, you think about is all he ever did. So, yeah, he was literally... Announced as the bodyguard, Mr. Hughes. It's like, okay, yeah, he looks like a bodyguard. He looks imposing, but he can't wrestle good. He he's never had a good match in his life. Why is he keep getting hot? And nobody cared about him. It's not like, oh my god, they got Mr. Hughes back. Thank God. <laughs> now he's burying people. <laughs> yeah, the shows will be like so much better with Mr. Hughes on them. Like, dude, just <sighs> whatever. I also like the fact that he was a bodyguard and he was a Mr. Someone. Who calls yeah, the bodyguard right. Mr. or Mrs. Anything? <laughs> yeah, I know. He looked he looked like a a, a black Big Bubba Rogers. <laughs> That's what I always thought. I was like, dude, him and Big Bubba should have teamed up, man. Been like the most mediocre tag team of all time. Wow. Like, I, okay, I'll give messed you. Up. <laughs> and I liked Big Bubba, but seriously, like, well, I, no, I didn't. I liked uh, Big Boss Man. I did not like Big Bubba. The Boss. Yeah, but I, I will give Mr. Hughes this. It takes some good talent to be employed that much when you're that mid. So <laughs> yeah. good for him. He must have, in your words, must have been a charming SOB. Yep. Up next is Todd Champion versus the Super Invader with Harley Race in his corner. At least Harley Race isn't driving him to the ring. Good lord, uh, I was going to say it, but I didn't have to. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but this one goes about five and a half minutes, because, you know, as we all know, every classic match goes under, you know, six minutes. I'm assuming Todd Champion was an Olympian or some crap, because he's got the USA colors all over and the Olympic logo on his tights. When your name is Champion, you better be something. His his ring jacket looked like uh, the the birth of the Cody jacket. Yeah, right. Like, uh, the old like the uh, prototype jacket. Right, yeah. 
the Super Invader is billed from Bangkok. Right. And is actually Hercules Hernandez. So Why? From Athens. Yeah, right. Uh, or Mexico. Uh, Athens, Mexico. There you go. Say nobody with the last name Hernandez coming from Rome. <laughs> you don't know that. Uh, pretty sure Rome is Italian, isn't it? Or like Rome, Italy? Yeah. <laughs> so you're saying you can't be Mexican from there? But, but <laughs> you can be of pa- Spanish persuasion, I, I would say. But yeah. If you're Mexican, by definition, you're from Mexico. You know what I'm saying? Uh, yeah, I get it. <laughs> I don't know. But I don't know. This is, uh, this is all kind of messed up. Like, Oh, where where's the super invader going to be from? Uh, I got it. Bangkok. Why? <laughs> because fuck you, that's why. <laughs> like, I don't get it, man. Does that count as lazy booking? It counts as stupid. And he's got some damn glove on his finger or on his hand. It's like all pixelated. It looks like, um, uh, like, uh, like, well, Jackson's glove. Yeah, but it's like pixelated, kind of like multicolored. And I'm like, what the hell? And, and like Jim Ross brought it up, and Vince Ventura's like, I don't effing know. <laughs> like, what is this guy's gimmick? And why is he with Harley Race? They just threw Harley with anybody. Yeah. They're like, uh, well, we just hired Hercules Hernandez, but we don't actually want him to be Hercules Hernandez for uh, reasons. I don't think they can let him, actually. Well, he, before he went to the WWF, he was. Well, no, because in WWF, he was just Hercules. But pre-WWF, he was Hercules Hernandez. So, I, I don't know. But it's like, they instead, they're just like, no, we're going to put him under a hood and have him be from Bangkok and give him a weird effing uh, glove. Okay. Whatever. Well, for Sean Spears, didn't it? Oh, yeah. Got him over <laughs> huge. Sold, went like gangbusters. He's so over, he's not on TV anymore. Yeah, right. I also got to ask, why does a super invader who's supposed to be some big, nasty, big, bad, mysterious heel come out to some like fun 80s tune? I don't know. Why are you why are you overthinking this? This just this whole gimmick is like somebody hit random on the car creator and it (laughs) popped out this. (laughs) It's bad. Ventura also buries the wrestlers again by talking about how he doesn't understand wrestling in a mask and says it's stupid. God huh? dang it, Jesse. Bro, nobody oh. cares about mask wrestling, bro. How can I relate with you, bro? You're wearing a mask. <laughs> but in the end, the Super Invader hits a driving powerbomb for the pinfall win. Uncle Dave gave it negative a star and a half. I, <laughs> I gave it a positive star and a half. Let's see you. I gave it one. It sucked. This is where I was confused, or I confused myself on what's the worst match yeah, this this is probably it. I, I would vote for this one. I will say this about Todd Champion. He had the look, bro. And this definitely was proto-Cody uh, all the way around, I would say, because I, I just thought about this. He had, like, a similar body type. He had the blonde hair. Uh, he had, like, the red, white, and blue tights. That jacket. Like, that tattoo. Was, <laughs> was, was Cody just going through, like, old WCW, and he was like, I'm going to be Todd champion, but better. (laughs) But relevant. People will know who I am. I'm going to have, I'm going to be Todd champion with the pyro of Kevin Nash at the finger poke of doom. (laughs) God. And he's going to end racism and have the first ever interracial baby. (laughs) (laughs) I can't remember who it was. Uh, One of our, one of our mutual friends sent me a picture 
uh, at the Hall of Fame, one of the I was going to sound bad, but I can't remember who it was. One of the black wrestlers like leaned over to talk to Cody and the caption was like, hey, man, I wanted to thank you for ending racism. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man, I laughed so hard. Like, mother of God. I I was like, I'm glad I'm not in public because people are giving me weird looks right now. That's me on the train. (laughs) Well, out there, that's probably not too abnormal. So, yeah, no, it looks twice. Yeah, uh, I, you've sent me some pictures. Uh, you know, you laughing is the least weird thing you're going to see on those trains. <laughs> <laughs> uh, commentary talks about the main event for a bit before we go to the next match. It is Richard Morton versus Big Josh. It is seven and a half minutes. And do you want to tell people who Big Josh is? <laughs> uh, Big Josh is the future <laughs> Doink the Clown. But here, yeah. he's a if you look at him right here, he's going to be a clown one day. <laughs> I, that's, I, dude, every time I watch a Big Josh match, that's all I can think of. I'm like, you're going to be a clown here in a, like two years. He's probably going to be more over than anything he's ever done, though, to be fair. Well, absolutely. Yeah, no denying <laughs> that. Uh, I mean, I low-key liked Doink the Clown. He was entertaining. He was colorful. Dude, the evil Doink was great. But like I said uh, many times, you can go back and watch the old stuff. They were clearly going big with him, and somewhere online just fell off. I'm gonna blame that. Like, I mean, obviously, I don't know for sure, but I'm gonna blame that 100 on uh, the man behind the paint because he couldn't exactly keep himself clean and mind his p's and q's. So there is that. And you guys can at me all you want, but he died of a drug overdose, so I stand by what I said. Uh, and I'm not saying that like, oh, I, you know. I that's you know I win or whatever it's like it's an awful thing obviously but it's like you can't deny he had substance abuse issues when you die of a drug overdose so oh man but his name wasn't even Josh was it no, no it was something it was, else uh, Matt 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 yeah, Matt Bourne yeah I, that was another thing he wrestled under Matt Bourne before he went to WCW. And it's like, so he literally, because his actual name was Matt Osborne. So it's like, he just dropped the Oz. And you're like, perfect. I mean, whatever. <laughs> but uh, And then he wrestled in ECW as Matt Bourne, too. He did kind of a cool gimmick there. It was almost like the, uh, like the disheveled Doink the Clown. He, like, he didn't have the hair on. He just like painted his face, kind of messed up the paint a little bit. He wore the outfit. Yeah, like, kind of like every clown doll grandma's ever had in her house. It's all sad and stuff. <laughs> yeah. It was like the, uh, it was almost like, um, like the Joker kind of thing where it was like, ah, I look like a clown, but really I'm just, an, I'm nuts, you know? So it's like, I, I just do this to throw you off. But either way, so getting to the other guy in the match here, his name is Richard Morton. He's had a change of heart, apparently, so he's no longer Ricky Morton. Literally nothing about Morton's look or his theme changed. His, like, nothing. He just... Changed his name now, and boom, he's a, a heel, I guess. So, to put some context on this, I believe this is when Robert was hurt. Right. And I guess for some reason they thought, oh, he's Ricky Morton can't be over on his own as a face. Yes, I don't know. Yeah, because he wasn't one half of one of the most over acts of all time. Yeah, no. It, God, and... Like, turning him heel wasn't even... I mean, I, I still think it was stupid. But it wasn't, the like, the dumbest thing... But they just went lazy with it. Like in the York Foundation. Right. Which it if looked, in hindsight, you know, I mean I wasn't there to watch it. Or I maybe I saw another member, but in hindsight, looking back at it, it was kind of like a death sentence. 
Because nobody in that group would Nope. They did, they did nothing, man. <laughs> Which is... <sighs> yeah, it's dumb. But you think... Uh, well, let's see. I'm trying to get the, the timeline here. So, when did Sean become the Heartbreak Kid? It was... Oh, uh, like a couple of WrestleMania this prior, year. A couple months prior to this. Yeah, so... Do you think this was their way of like, oh, well, we'll make him like Shawn Michaels? I mean, I didn't think about that, but now that you say that. Yeah, I mean, I'm thinking, but it's like, yeah, but Shawn changed like everything about himself. Like, not only was he like, oh, well, I'm a heel now. And I mean, he got a new nickname. He got a new look. He got a new theme. He wrestled different. Uh, Ricky did the same stuff, looked the same, even had the same theme. Like, he still came out to the Rock and Roll Express theme. Whatever. Lazy. Now, I don't know who to attest that to. Great over him, so to be fair. but I, Yeah. You know. Maybe a little of both. But Josh's shirt got ripped. <laughs> and What a shirt that was, man. Yeah. Did, <laughs> dude, Jesse Ventura burying Big Josh in this match made me laugh my ass off. It's like, finally, someone is worth burying. <laughs> He said, he said when, like, when the shirt got ripped, he's like, oh, no, he got he ripped his shirt. What a shirt it was. And Jim yeah. Ross was like, oh, I thought it was a nice shirt. And he's like, yeah, that sucks. He's going to have to go to Walmart. Yeah, he's like, well, that's going to have to. Now he's going to have to go to Walmart and, you know, spend another $3. <laughs> I was like, holy cow. There was one part where he's like, oh, he had him in that headlock for about uh, for about two minutes there. He's like, can you imagine being stuffed in that armpit for that long you'd pass out after about 30 seconds yeah i mean i i can agree <laughs> that's uh that was great but adventure was the best part of this whole damn thing but in the end morton's leaps off the second turnbuckle only to get caught with an inverted atomic drop josh then hits a forearm followed by a northern exposure for the win so the northern explosion or north i can't i can't say it the northern exposure was the what would become the whoopee cushion. Except he didn't dive, he just like he did it off the ropes. So it'd also be the stage dive. Yeah. So it was uh I guess it not technically the whoopee cushion, because didn't he dive off the, the top for it? Yeah. Yeah, this one he it was like the earthquake splash, but without all the stomping around beforehand. But Uncle Dave gave this Uno star. I thought it was okay. I, I thought it was average. I gave it two and a half. Let's see you. I gave it two. I didn't think it sucked. You know what I wanted to mention, by the way, since we're talking about him? Something I noticed, I didn't notice before. Um, uh, when Doink wrestled on old Superstars episodes, when he did the whoopee cushion, they added a whoopee cushion noise. Oh, my God. I, I guess I didn't realize <laughs> when I was a kid. So yeah, when he sits he can... on him, you just hear... Yep. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Maybe that wasn't a sound effect, Greg. Maybe he they just e- had to go. Well, they, they even added it when it's a... Uh, when it's an afterbirth. That's my favorite part. <laughs> <laughs> so effing stupid. Oh my god. Now I gotta go. I've never heard that in my life. Yeah. It's like in 1990. I think I'm on 94. So around Holy September, god. October, November 94. That's uh. Only on Superstars though. Because they didn't do it on Raw. That's uh. That's something. They should have did that over the house speakers. I would have laughed my ass off man. Like when uh, Roddy Piper used the shock stick on the Mountie and they did that. Which was effing stupid. I'm like, why are you playing a buzzer sound? 
Like, crap, we, we can't find the right sound effect. Like, I thought but. it was stupid when um, they added the train sound effect for Braun Strowman doing that thing around the ring. Then I'm like, wow, they've been doing this for years. I didn't really realize it. They played that when he was doing that move? Not anymore, but they did that first. Yeah. Oh, I don't remember that. Oh, God. Yep. That's so lame. I could deal, like, whatever, if they play that at the beginning of the theme, which, thank God, they don't anymore. But, like, that's fine, whatever, it's his theme song. They play it during the match. Good God, yep. come on, man. Because, you know, that'll get him over. But before the next match, we get footage from a recent WCW show where Tom Zink started ranting against Scotty, Flam- Scotty the Flamingo, is what he called him. You know, because he's an actual flamingo there, uh, Greg. And, uh, you know, I'm right. I write down here. Why does I didn't realize until now, but Buff was always sweating his ass off and looked like he was on one. Always. <laughs> Who was it? Buff. Wow. Uh, I never noticed that. Uh, by the way, looking at my notes here, I may have been incorrect earlier with, uh, I think I said, I like we had that whole discussion about him being, um, Johnny Flamingo or whatever. I think I I put it wrong as Scotty Flamingo, but whatever. Uh, you know, go back and correct the record. I just there. thought it was uh, something later, like a hi- hybrid of that and, and Johnny Polo. That's what I thought you meant. Maybe I was like, maybe I missed something. Yeah, I I think that was on me. But oh well. My, my know, bad, we'll, dog. We'll, this was on me. <laughs> yeah, I think we're gonna get like the one guy. It's like well, actually, <laughs> but either way. Uh, he's he's raining against Scotty Flamingo. Flamingo sounds like a TNA thing. Like they just took his two last things. They, they can't go Scotty. Yeah. We combine them. Yeah, right. But he's, he's raining against Scotty Flamingo and some other guy who I don't remember who uh, that apparently jumped him from behind, and he brings up Brian Pillman's title. Pillman doesn't take kindly to this, and they argue for a bit. The Zank saying that he won't be held back as a singles wrestler anymore. And now. Well! That brings- yeah, uh, about <laughs> that, sir. I would have to say. Well! Uh, here, not too long from now, I think uh, he's going to be doing the job. Uh, I'm to poke holes in this or use logic, but you can say that yeah. like boxing or UFC or something, but not in like a scripted show, can you? It just makes no sense I, to me. <laughs> yeah, I don't know, but he's going to be doing the the old job to a debuting big band Vader. <laughs> You're, uh, you know, pretty He's soon. Getting legitimately hurt too. <laughs> Did he actually get hurt against Vader? I heard something about he hurt his uh, back or something, slamming yeah. too hard. Uh, Vader? No way. <laughs> yeah. Next thing you're going to tell me is Vader kind of smelled too. Allegedly. Allegedly. <laughs> That's according to like everybody who ever worked with him. Like <laughs> they I, said, the, the one I believe the most is Jim Cornette because he was literally his manager. So. Oh yeah. And he said he didn't wash his gloves, so when he grabbed him by the collar one time, he just had to throw the jacket away because he couldn't get the black from his gloves out of his jacket. Like, oh no, you had to throw away one of those clown suits. Oh no. But, uh, yeah, uh, Jim Ross backed it up, Jim Cornette, Bruce Pritchard. <laughs> Everybody said that Vader just, like, dude, why don't you bathe properly, man? I like how with Scott Hall, it's the opposite. Yeah, he stunk too, but not in, like, a nasty way. Yeah, well... <laughs> Uh, Kevin Nash said the reason that he smelled sometimes is because they'd be on like a big road loop and wouldn't have much chance to wash their gear. Because he said, he like, Musk or what was it? Yeah. What yeah, he he was he was using? 
uh, brute. Old Spice? Oh, yeah. Yeah, he said, so it smelled like kitty litter and brute. <laughs> <laughs> like, that sounds vomit-inducing. <sighs> but anyway, this is Flying Brian Pillman defending the WCW light heavyweight title, which was a thing, against the Z-Man. Oh, 15 and a half minutes. By this point in the well, it's show... It's always sad when partners collide. You know, you gotta break them up. Oh, I know, man. This was such a historic tag team. They were going on to bigger and better things. Just damn it. Anyway, uh, by this point in the show... Uh, that was seven yeah. straight face. <laughs> yeah, right. Oh, well, can't mourn forever. Uh, but by this point in the show, I was nearly comatose. So I had a really hard time getting into this one. And if I remember correctly, it. at this point, I was I had already put the switch down and I'm watching it. I'm like, why... That I decide to put it down now. <laughs> <laughs> well, but to be fair, end, though, Brian Pillman, you know, it's like it's usually at least a watchable match. Yeah, and Zink wasn't bad. I mean, you and I talked about that before, where he wasn't bad. He just wasn't like phenomenal or anything. He never put on a banger, but he, you know, he had a good look. Well, also applies to Terry Taylor too. <laughs> right. Well, I actually think Terry Taylor was damn good, but it just. He was never in like a main event spot where you know he actually shined against the Dude, top guys. He's the guys. original nephew. <laughs> that is true. <laughs> Allegedly. Uh, Allegedly. Uh, but you know, in all seriousness, that is correct. <laughs> but yeah, now so you're spamming to get them all in. <laughs> yeah, right. But I had I I had to force myself to pay attention to this one. Was it just me or did Zank lose some uh, some weight here? Yep. Like, yeah, it looked like uh, maybe. Uh, Maybe he, you know, put down the uh, the needle, if you know what I mean. Allegedly, <laughs> this is the this is the start of the whole steroid thing. So there's that, right? But in the end, Zink gets cocky, goes up to the top, and hit and goes for a missile uh, front drop kick and misses. And then Pillman capitalizes with Thank a jackknife cover. Thank God, the way he was coming down, dude. If you would hit him, I'd have hurt him. <laughs> it was like a karate kick, <laughs> but Pillman hits. A jackknife cover to win. Uncle Dave actually gave this three and three quarter stars. I gave it two and a half. I thought it was long and average. What say you? Ghost. I thought it was the, one of the most mediocre uh, Brian Pillman matches I'd ever seen. Yeah, we I'm saw like, some awesome hair in this match, though. Oh, hell yeah, man. Look, look at those effing mullets. Which, by the way, was a big hit as a YouTube short of ours. <laughs> uh, I was talking about effing mullets. Uh, I'm like, what? I know women that would be jealous of Brian Pillman's perm here. <laughs> oh, hell yeah, man. That was like, and I don't, well, I don't know if that was a perm or if that, if that was natural, man, because he had that curly hair all the time. It's like, man, he just yeah, had that was locks. natural, man. You want to talk about being blessed. <laughs> yeah, right. He just, he had them locks. And then you got people like, uh, what's funny is like Dolph Ziggler, Dolph Ziggler and uh, Kurt Hennig. They would come out with like straight blonde hair. By the end of the match, they had a curly fro. Yeah. <laughs> Like, what the hell is with your hair, man? But it's time for another Beach Blast 1992 commercial. And then we get into this. It's Tatsumi Fujinami and Takayuki Izuku, uh, Izuka excuse me, versus the Steiner brothers of Rick and Scott Steiner. It's a oh, tag team. Uh, no, it's O-H-I-O. It's a call and callback there. Just respect to your daddy. Uh, I ain't showing respect to anything out of that godforsaken state, especially that horrible team. From uh, you know where they play, Gray is in Satan's butthole. All right, we don't. They play the DMV. 
Ah, yeah, uh, it's right next to it. But the uh, this is a tag team match to determine the number one contenders for the IWGP tag team titles. So, of course, it's going to take yes. place in WCW. This is the third set of tag titles either shown or mentioned on the show. Yeah. Did you realize that? I do now. I'm like, why are we having a number one contender match for New Japan titles in WCW? I think they're currently doing similar stuff in AEW. For a finger bangs title, whatever one he holds. That one makes a little bit more sense, I'd say, because there's like a more of a partnership, I'd say, where they, they constantly do talent exchanges. I guess you could say the same thing about WCW, but it's just like, eh, I don't know, it just feels weird. But there are a ton Considering of... Considering there's enough titles, which we said for both companies, enough titles yeah, to go around anyways as it is, why do you need to add another company's title? That's true. AEW, it's like, dude, you need to shave some off, not get more. But uh, this, dude, this is when... This is what makes Russo look right when they're just props. Yep. Oh, well, this person needs a title. Great. Sure. I think we were talking last night. I, was, I think it was, was you was talking to me. Like, what is the most useless title in wrestling right now? Is it the women's tag titles or the TBS title? Uh, I mean, there's no certainly one, some argument to be made on those. How dare you? That TBS title belongs to, you know, the undefeated Jade Cargill. Never on TBS, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, well, of course not. It's like defending the TV title on pay-per-view. That makes sense. <laughs> like I told you, a vast majority of people, especially back then, it'd be like 100%, but nowadays, vast majority of people watch pay-per-view how? On their TV. Uh, well, that's true. Yeah, I, I guess it doesn't say cable title or anything, so yeah. Oh, they have one that of makes those, sense. being of cable. <laughs> right, yeah, that meant nothing. <laughs> Which is now the archives, I believe. <laughs> Yeah, I can't remember what damn show that was. It was, a, it was a Starcade, so I know that. Okay, Starcade 92? Might have been two, yeah. Yeah, yeah might have been late this year. Yeah, because we've done Starcade 90, 92. Okay, there you go, or 93. One of them. It was either 92 Biggest show of the year, by the way, has either King of the Cable Tournament or a Battle Bowl. I think this <laughs> one had... I think that one had both. <laughs> That's why I want to say it was 92, because it was Battle Bowl and uh, King of Cable, and I was like, who gives a damn about any of this? <laughs> and all of it amounted to squat, by the way. And I'm pretty sure this era of WWE was the King of Cable, as far as pro wrestling goes, so were they trying to stroke their own ego, or what? Yeah. It amounted to, and I don't have a, a sound clip for this one, but as, as uh, Chris Farley would say, Jack Squat! Yep. Anyway, anyway, the, the back... ring on AEW means more than those two. I'll, I'll say that. Good grief! Yeah, well, at least it it's a physical, tangible thing. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> but uh, getting back to the match, though, it goes 18 minutes, 17 seconds. There are a ton of dangerous moves in this match. Izuka got his lip busted open at one point. In the end, Rick hits Izuka with an over-the-head belly-to-belly suplex off the top rope to win. I actually really like this match. At some get, point of this match, every one of these guys could have broken their neck. Did you notice that? Yeah. And Scott, I mean, the, this move looked cool, but I'm like, hot damn, dude. Like, that's unnecessarily dangerous. When Scott would do that uh, backflip uh, slam, you know what I'm talking about? Yep. Mm-hmm. To anybody who doesn't know what I'm talking about, he gets him up like he's going to do a backbreaker, but then he, like, backflips and slams him. Ah, just like, oh, dangerous looking, man. It's like something you'd see Ricochet and Rey Mysterio do, which they can get away with because they're smaller. Right. Dude, Scott used to do some awesome stuff, and then he uh, he just, like, became a roided-out freak. Allegedly! And became immobile. 
it's it sucked. But either way, uh, Uncle Dave gave this one three and three quarter stars. I give it three and a half. I thought it was great. Let's see you. I gave it three. Yeah. Really damn good. Uh, I, I like. I don't know who the hell that Izuka guy is, but you know, I didn't watch wrestling or uh, Japanese wrestling back then, so I don't know. Uh, t- uh, no, I know was good. I'm, I'm, look, I'm looking at this. Like, you know, there's been quite a few shows we've done where there's a New Japan crossover, not throughout the whole night, except for yeah. the Starcades. But like, if there's ever a New Japan crossover, nine times out of ten, it involves the Steiner Brothers. You know, I that? know. Yep, Steiner Brothers sometimes LOD, but yeah. It's like I realized they had a big presence over in Japan, but it's like it must have been like, well, the the best wrestling tag team that we have is the are the Steiners. We know they can keep up with the with the Japanese guys, so let's throw them in there. They're not going to throw in like the skyscrapers or something that can barely effing move. <laughs> I I realized skyscrapers. Who all three of those prior. guys were pretty damn good too, but for some reason skyscrapers just sucked. Yeah, right. <laughs> Yeah, Spivey was pretty decent. Never did anything that was like, oh my god, you remember that time that Dan Spivey, X, Y, and Z? But Yeah, Waylon hey, Mercy. <laughs> yeah. Hey, remember that time when uh, when uh, Dan Severin came, or Dan Severin, Dan Spivey was uh, ripping off uh, Kate, that Katie guy from uh, Cape Fear, and he could barely effing walk. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, he had that stupid fake tattoo on his forehead. Yeah. It's crazy looking at him like WCW and then looking at um, Waylon Mercy. I'm like, what the hell happened to your hair, dude? Looking like that awesome spiked bleach blonde hair to the, you know, the creepy old man at the liquor store. Good grief. Uh, I like, by the way, how they managed to rip off, uh, I think it was it Lance Katie or whatever, either that, that Robert De Niro's character from Cape Fear. They ripped him off twice in WWE. It works, it works, right? Yeah. But getting back to this now, uh, so we hear from both commentary teams before they send it to Gary Michael Capetta to introduce the War Games. A bunch of pyro lights off, and they lower the cage over the two rings, and that takes us to our second to last break. When we come back from here, it is going to be War Games, right after this. Follow the Main Event Marks at Facebook.com forward slash Main Event Marks Pod, on Twitter at Main Event underscore Marks, and on Instagram at Main Event underscore Marks, and at Main Event Collector. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, and good night. My name is Thomas, and what's your name? Uh, I'm Alan. Alan. Oh, yeah, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. We're brothers. That's right. Yeah. yeah the mother, same mother and father. Your room was... Oh, we shared a room. Shared a room. For we right? shared a room. Thought I knew your face. Yeah, we go maybe? way back, mate. Yeah. yeah. We should do a podcast then. Uh, we have. We do, we do a podcast. We do a podcast. What's it called? The Broadcast. Yeah, that was planned. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, what do we do? Well, we cover all different things in the world of pop culture. We're talking about comic books, we're talking professional wrestling, and we're talking about movies. Go back and watch classic retro wrestling events, the likes of WWE, WCW, and if you do like that, you can check us out on Apple iTunes, also on Podbean, Anchor, and on Podknife. Also check us out on Twitter, at The Broadcast. That's B-R-O. Hey, hey, ending. hey, it's all right. Good on you. Yeah. Instagram also at the broadcast podcast. Remember, we don't spell it with a C. We spell it with a K. Sorry, mate. Take it easy. Main 
Event Marks are available wherever you get podcasts and on YouTube. Find all of our links on our link tree at linktr.ee forward slash main event marks. And we're back. We're back. It's our main event and it's bowl games. 23 and a half minutes, y'all. It's Sting Squadron of Sting, or excuse me, Sting! Barry Windham, Dustin Rhodes, Ricky Steamboat, and Nikita Koloff. Yay. Pretty awesome squad, though. Yeah. Taking on the dangerous alliance of Steve Austin, Rick Rude, Arn Anderson, Bobby Eaton, and Larry Zabisco. And they have a weak link there, folks. Yeah. And they have Medusa and Polly dangerously in their corner. Dude, I don't think that, and I think it's because they didn't do a whole lot and they weren't around a whole lot, um, or for very long, I should say. But nobody talks about the Dangerous Alliance enough. Like, they were a talented effing crew, man. Like, those, like you just it's said, almost, it's almost unfair. <laughs> yeah, they could have been huge, but WCW just mismanaged the hell out of everything. So, and it's not a WWE situation with Hogan. Like, everything went straight to Hogan. They didn't right. really have one guy to go to here. I guess you'd say Sting, but. And there was no horseman during this time, so they didn't have, like, competition. No, clearly, because Arn jumped on this team. Yeah, Arn was there. There was no uh, Stan Lane, so Bobby Eaton jumped in there. Uh, I mean, I don't know. This is, a, this is a damn good crew. And then you got Barry Windham on the other side. Either way, Windham is... probably the best wrestler's entire match, by the way. Yeah, that's... that's uh, he's, he's got a good claim to hold on that. But Barry Windham and stunning Steve Austin start this one off for their teams. As they should. Is, Right. Yeah. I mean, it's hard to pick. I, I couldn't like point to one specific person. I was like, oh, you, you're definitely the Iron Man for this team. Like, well, it should have been Arn because he is the Iron Man of War teams. But yeah. Yeah. Right. <laughs> uh, I, I probably, if I would have had to like look at this list and pick, I might have picked like Steamboat and uh, I don't know, maybe Eaton. But Steve Austin was a, a good choice. And obviously, uh, you know, like you said, Barry Windham was damn good. So yeah, they're building them up to go and, you know, Help kill the company in a couple of years. Yeah, right. But they do a coin toss live, and shockingly, the heels win. <laughs> yeah. I never would have called my, that. I know it on here is double-sided coin for sure. <laughs> yeah, I, I like how he flipped that coin and hit it real damn quick. But Rick Rude is next in for the Dangerous Alliance. Austin has been busted open by the cage, and man, does he bleed. This was a uh, a lot of blood. Uh, Ricky Steamboat is Not next in. Not WrestleMania 13, but it's close. Yeah. But uh, Ricky Steamboat is next in for Sting Squadron and breaks up a two-on-one coming in hard on Rude and Austin. Effing hard. Uh, Arn Anderson is the next in and instantly DDTs Wyndham and hits a spinebuster on Steamboat. That was awesome. The natural Dustin Rhodes is in after that. Larry Zabisco enters and uh, enters next and instantly gets beaten up by Dustin Rhodes. That was funny. Medusa climbs the cage, rips a hole in the side and throws Polly's brick of a cell phone into Arn Anderson. Uh, Sting climbs up and chases Medusa off. Uh, finally, Sting gets in for his team. Medusa's taping up Bobby, Eaton, Bobby Eaton's right fist outside as a weapon. He why is, used to... why is Sting last? Yeah, it's like he's He's second to last in this one. So it's like, it's an odd entry for him. It's like, you're either first or last, man. Like, whatever. 
But uh, either way, uh, Bobby Eaton is the last entrant for his team. Dustin Rhodes, Barry Windham, and Arn Anderson are all bleeding all over the place. Dustin is pouring blood like he's got a faucet in his forehead. This was gross. Uh, last in is Nikita Koloff for Sting's squadron. There's some unease between Sting and Nikita since uh, they used to be enemies. But Nikita, which begs the question, why is he on your team if you're like, I don't know if I can trust you, bro? <laughs> because he's a friend of Dustin Rhodes. Yeah. Uh, well, yeah, and that was, that's another thing. Isn't this like the third time this is a storyline in a Sting-involved war games? Yep. Like, I don't know if I can trust my partner. Like, good God. It should be a, a staple throughout war games, like, forever. Hell, it even yeah. goes back to the most recent one when they wasn't sure they could trust Sami Zayn or not. So, Yep. But they kind of stare each other down for a minute, but Nikita shoves Sting away uh, at one point, and... Uh, so kind of to stop him from taking a hit and that proves his loyalty. So it eas- eases the tensions there. The heels unhook a corner of the ring. Beautiful Bobby holds sting and Zabisco swings a steel hook piece of the corner sting ducks shockingly and Larry cracks Bobby in the shoulder. <laughs> Never saw that coming. Sting then locks Bobby in a shoulder lock and made him submit and end the match. Uncle you know, sting, me- sting has his own submission move, you know, yeah, well, but he didn't hit him in the legs, Greg. Odd. <laughs> I'm like, well, I'm like the guy who has the submission movie doesn't use it. I just <laughs> yeah, right. They did that a lot in these, where it was like they would just do a random move, and the other guy would submit. But Uncle Dave gave this or gave this five stars. I actually gave it four. I thought it was one of the best war games matches I'd ever seen. What say you? I said for a war games match, this has got to be five. Yeah. Yeah, this, this is amazing, man. I mean, I, you look at the talent and the key. This is like this event but, was like me falling asleep and then like hearing that loud roar outside and mill to sleep at the way in. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it was freaking just awesome. Uh, I mean, you look at the amount of talent in this one, and it's like it should be great. It, there's a sign that got on TV. I don't know how the hell it got on. It said uh, Nikita is not Russian. <laughs> what the hell? Yeah, did you even see it? It was like no, towards I didn't. the end of this match. No, oh, I, I know why that. you didn't see it because the cage was obstructing it. I just happened to catch it. Because well, the camera weird. that was in the cage caught it outside. I was trying <laughs> to figure out off is not Russian. <laughs> I was I'm still trying to figure out what that was that uh he was wearing. Like his singlet had like three three colored stripes in the back. Um like it was like yellow, red, and green. And I'm like, what flag is that? If anybody goes I back and looks, like something. I thought I just thought it was something within Russia. Yeah, I was like, is he trying to like do the whole like, oh, I'm not a bad guy, so I'm I'm not Russian anymore kind of thing. Like, oh, you don't wear the USSR thing. <laughs> yeah, right. So I I really don't know, but that's what Nikolai Volkov did. Remember? Yep. Yeah, he's wearing the American the flag. Moment, yeah, the moment they abolished it, he got rid of it. Oh, I'm a face now. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Uh, well, he said he's sorry. All right. Uh, but, like Slaughter uh, wanted his country back, yeah. Yeah, right. After the match, Polly dangerously gets in the cage and starts throwing a fit, yelling at Zabisco, blaming him for the loss. Larry tries to defend himself, saying that he didn't know that he'd hit Bobby. We hear Arn Anderson shouting the Lord's name in vain at Larry. <laughs> Did you catch that? Uh, no. Who was, who was shouting it? Arn. 
He's like going oh, off on Larry. I, like, thought, I thought you said Paul. I'm like, well, oh, he really applies to him. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, I don't, that's not his Lord. Yeah, but no. Yeah, Arn is like, Jesus Christ. And like, I'm like, damn, dude, like loud as hell in that camera. <laughs> uh, and uh, Ross like doesn't. Ross didn't do the typical, like, back in the day, like, if, I, if a swear got over, you know, they'd be like, oh, well, we're sorry for that, whatever. Ross was like, well, tensions are high right now. It's like, clearly. <laughs> but uh, either way, he said he's, he, Arn says that uh, Larry's cost him multiple matches at this point. We now go back to the commentary teams to wrap up the show, and that does it for that. So it takes us to our final break, y'all. When we come back, it's time for the final ratings, and I was... My final rating was actually on par with the other ones, so I think uh, everybody about felt the same about the show. We'll see how you feel about it right after this break. Follow the Main Event Marks at Facebook.com forward slash Main Event Marks Pod, on Twitter at Main Event underscore Marks, and on Instagram at Main Event underscore Marks, and at Main Event Collector. What's up, everybody? I am the hardest part of the ring, the host of the Apron Bump Podcast. Ugh. Another wrestling podcast. How many times can I listen to fans tell me who needs a push, who doesn't need a push, who brings Vince's coffee these days? Enough! The Apron Bump is about the journey. It's about nostalgia. It's about discovering new forms of wrestling to really tickle your pickle as a wrestling fan. The podcast brings you reviews of wrestling events all over the world, whether it's WWF, WWE, WCW, ECW. We even cover the golden eras of Ring of Honor, Progress, TNA, and more promotions in the future as well. New episodes every Wednesday. Bump day. Uh-huh. Yeah. Go to apronbump.com or go to your favorite podcast platform or YouTube and subscribe today for the most diverse, fan-friendly wrestling podcast in the world. I'm hard. event marks are available wherever you get podcasts and on youtube find all of our links on our link tree at linktr.ee forward slash main event marks and we're back we're back final ratings time internet movie database gave this thing 7.1 out of 10 cagematch.net gave it a 6.59 out of 10 i gave it a 7 out of 10 for c c minus what say you c plus even though there were some really bad matches, I, I don't know. It, was, it left me not pissed off that I watched the whole thing. I feel like the last two matches were worth it. Everything else was like, eh. And the Big Josh match. Oh, well, of course. Anytime I get to see Big Josh, I celebrate. I'm like, oh, <laughs> thank, thank God the show is saved. <laughs> and the, uh, the match we weren't supposed to have with Simmons and Hughes. Oh, well, yeah, I mean, that was the money match. So, I, I mean, that was pure... Shut up and take my money! ...kind of energy. <laughs> I mean, as, as soon as I found out Mr. Hughes was going to be on the card, I thought... Sir, here is a check with my name on it. Write down any number on this piece of paper, and I will pay it. <laughs> Good Lord. Getting them all in here. <laughs> That's what she said. Anyway... But that does it for Russell War 1992. Next week, we might actually bring you a show that's good. I mean, I'm a little biased here, but I think the podcast was really damn good. I'm, I'm, I'm all caught up. What show is next week? Next week, it is WWF, or excuse me, WWE Judgment Day 2004. It was all right. 
Don't overpromise people stuff. Yeah, well, that's that's why I'm saying it might be good. I don't remember. Like, I don't know. I haven't seen it yet, so I will get on that here soon. The only and, thing I haven't uh, watched yet is uh, World of Worlds 2015, but I can tell you next, next coming month is gonna be up and down, up and down. Yeah, uh, yeah. We got Judgment Day 2004 coming up next week. Like I said, May 10th. The week after that is uh, ECW Hardcore Heaven 1999. ECW is always a crapshoot. Uh, say what? That might surprise some people. Yourself included. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, uh, it could... I mean, it's 99, so, like, it's it's kind of a crapshoot at this point. So, I don't know. So, some of them are, are pretty good. Some of them, eh, not so much. But either way, uh, that is coming up next... Uh, or the week after, I should say, on May 17th. May 24th, that is the double main event week. We got WCW Slam Bore 1996. That's a pay-per-view oh, that replaced this. Oh, and I promise you. Oh, great. Another boring WCW show. Hooray. Some stuff on it, though, but not anything ah. like, oh, man, glad I watched this show. Hells yeah, man. Uh, well, I don't know. We'll, we'll see how it goes. Now, you're, you're making me not excited to, to sit Sorry. down and consume this, this, uh, this thing here. There's, you know, a, there's, there's a pretty damn good match on here, but there's more bad ones than good. So. Well, that's what I always refer to with, uh, like, when they... They don't talk about anymore. They're like, oh, uh, our our viewers watching a show. They they talk about our consumers consuming the product. It's like, yeah, that's basically what this is. You're consuming this thing, and then you're going to forget about it right after because it's inconsequential. So, uh, yeah. Some of these shows I'm watching and I'm enjoying. Some of them I'm literally consuming, taking notes, moving the F on, and I'm like, did I watch that thing? Just out of curiosity, (laughs) do you know what the card lineup is for this? Slamboree 96? Yeah. Uh, not off the top of my head. It is a, uh, it is a lethal lottery show. So. Oh, yeah. I forgot. And those, and those are always fun. <laughs> and, hey, the, the tagline is, what goes up must come down. Hard. <laughs> so, you know, if that doesn't scream awesome, I don't One know. One of these does. matches is pretty damn good, though. So I'm just going to tell you that. Yeah, there's usually at least uh, one or two pieces of corn in the turd of uh, these shows. So, <laughs> but either way, that's the first no. show we got. May bonus show that week is the first ever SmackDown. It was the pilot that took place on April 29th, 1999. One match show. Yeah, go figure. It was, uh, let's see, May, June, July. That's uh, three ish, almost four months between this and the actual start of SmackDown. But this was the first ever one that took place. Uh, it was more of a TV special. And then on May 31st, wrapping up the month with what you just mentioned, Ring of Honor, our very first ever ROH show, War of the Worlds 2014. And that one looks pretty fun. Uh, what we talked about crossovers earlier, New Japan titles will be defended here, and uh, as will the Ring of Honor titles. So it looks fun. But that is our May. Thank you for joining me today, Greg. Yep. This was something. <laughs> we will see you all next week when we bring you WWE Judgment Day 2004.